this is Jennifer Van Damsel, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talk about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the second suitor, Tyler Brown. Hello there. Master Disaster. Josh45. What's up? And CBS. Which would be me. Uh, so today we're doing episode number 166. And we're going to be going over uh, <laughs> Crush and Lobo number one from DC Comics. The six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. Uh, Out of Body um, from Aftershock Comics. The six sidekicks is from Image. Then Shang-Chi from Marvel. And the Blue Flame from Vault Comics. Before that, do a little bit of news. See what, 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 what we know what's in the news they're talking about. I don't have any news. Well, you've got a bunch of lists for me. Though. Oh, okay. What did we decide we were going to do? Well, let's, I, I've got a couple pieces before that. We'll go okay. do a list afterwards. You let me know when you want. Okay. I got so, you. uh... The uh, DC Comics presents the uh, Conjuring number one has sold out of the distributor and they're going back to second print. Wow, that's fast. So yeah, for considering it's a prequel to a movie, right? So uh, yeah, it's a that's pretty cool. Um, I hear the film's good. It's actually a buddy of my slices. All right. That's what I've been told too. Like I haven't seen it yet, but that's what I've been told. It's, so. too, it's too scary for me. I guess the, the idea, like from what I was told, one of the other guys does a show, Ross. He's seen the movie and read the issue, and he said there's definitely things in the movie that, because he'd read the first issue, were things that stood out different to him. Oh, okay. So, uh, I think that's cool. It's not exactly Tales from the Crypty, because, like, the story is going to be five issues total. The first part of the story is what tracks as a prequel, and will go through the five books. But each book has a backup story that's about a different element from their menagerie of conjuring things. So, like, the different items inside their house. Each have different short stories, and the first issue has this Scott Snyder backup story, which is, I guess, about the werewolf head thing. So, like, that's kind of cool. It gives you, uh, you know, broadens pieces from the lore of The Conjuring that we've seen, but weren't really ever discussed very much. So that's pretty cool. Something else more Marvel-flavored. So people have been asking, like, what Iron Cates is going to do next, because Venom the 35 is coming out in two weeks, and... It's the legacy number 200. It's the end of his Venom run. And, uh, well, now we know. Um, he's going to be taking over the Hulk series. So brand new number one. As a follow-up to that, Immortal Hulk's going to end at number 50, so Al Ewing's book. And Al is moving over to a brand new Venom series. So basically the two like hottest dudes over at Marvel right now are both switching to trade books. Hmm. So Kate is taking over Hulk, and Ewing's taking Venom. So just trading places, which is kind of crazy, but really cool. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like, story-wise. But, like, as a thing, they're both... Like, both of them are so popular right now. God, Donnie Case is so popular. And Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk, like, it's still getting second prints way into the 40 issues. So it's... Yeah, it's crazy. That's cool. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. Um, we'll probably see actual solicits for it maybe next month, because, like, Immortal Hulk has at least two more issues before it ends, and Venom's giant size issue that comes out next week is the end of that particular story, so probably real solicits will show up in next month's catalog, so maybe the books will be September-ish. Okay. 
maybe. So I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, we also had the announcements come out from the Eisners. Here's where the lists come in. Eisner nominees, we were going to talk about the uh, the best comic series. Was continuing series? Continuing series, yes. So best continuing series, we have uh, Bitter Root by David F. Walker by Image Comics. Uh, Daredevil by Chip Z- Zadarsky. Zadarsky, yes. Uh, Marvel, obviously. Uh, the Department of Truth by James Tinian IV. And then Anne Martin Simmons, uh, Image Comics. Gideon Falls by Jeff Lemire and Andrea Soriento, uh, also Image Comics. Still Water by Chip Zadarsky. Oh, so Chip's on there twice. On twice okay, yeah. okay. Uh, and Raymond K. Perez, that's Image slash Skybound. And then you have, man, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Usagi Yijimbo. Usagi Yijimbo. Thank you. By Sensei That Yeah, by Sensei That's IDW. Yeah, yeah. As far as listening there, yeah, we got Zdarsky on there twice. Mm-hmm. We've actually done reviews for all those books on the podcast at one point, and Gideon Falls was a while back. But as far as books are concerned, all those land as decent books. And like artist-wise, Sanford Green's the guy doing the art for uh, Bitter Root, and like that dude's awesome. Marco 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 Cicchetto was doing the art for the um, Daredevil, and it's been awesome too. So like, all those are good choices, really. Decent teams, decent writers, artists, awesome. Um, so as far as like wins are concerned, I mean, I guess we get the wins sometime next month. I think I don't remember when. You know, this article it. actually doesn't say. I was going to ask okay. you. If, if, yeah, you know, yeah. I believe it's in the middle of summer, if I remember correctly. It is. So okay. there's, there's a whole voting period that happens, but but like all those are really cool, and I think deserving series at least. I mean, I've never read Stillwater. Actually, no. Did we, the only you one said those, you, you said you did one, yeah. The only one we didn't actually do was Stillwater. Oh, okay. Of that list, Stillwater we didn't actually do on the show. Okay. I have read issue two and well, no, one and two. In life, I read both those, but we didn't do either one of them on the show. So, of all those, that is the only one we didn't do. As far as one of the other categories, it was pretty cool. Like best new series, uh, best new series: Black Widow by Kelly Thompson and Elena Casagrande, Marvel. Uh, crossover, which I know you guys have done on the show: uh, Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw by Image. Uh, Department of Truth by James Tinian IV, who's again on there. Uh, Martin Simmons, that's Image. Philadelphia uh, by Rodney Barnes and Jason Shaw Alexander, that's Image as well. Um, and We Only Find Them When They're Dead by Al Ewing and Simon DeMille by Boom Studios. Right. At least two of those guys on the list were the guys we were just talking about trading places in Correct. Marvel. So, yeah, as far as like a thing, also good lists. I mean, yeah. as far as products. Um, another one that was pretty cool was Best Writer. We had Best Writer slash Best Artist. Which one did you want to go with? Uh, best Writer, Best Artist. All right. So, uh, Junji Ito. Uh, he does a bunch of uh, horse, like uh, manga horror okay. style books. Venus in the Blind Spot. That's Biz Media. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pascal Jocelyn, uh, Mr. Invincible, uh, Local Hero. That's Magnetic Press. Right. Trunge. Wow. Trunge de Lingin, uh, The Magic Fish. Don't know. Yeah. That seems like it's a children's book. It probably is. It is. Okay. Uh, Craig Thompson, uh, Jensen Roots, Uncivilized. Adrian Tomei, The Lioness, Lioness in the Long Distance Cartoonist Drawn and Quarterly. And then you have uh, Jean Luen Yang, Dragon Hops, uh, First Second, McMillan. Now, admittedly, a handful of those I have. I've heard of, but I've never seen. So, not nearly as well uh, well known as the other stuff was Correct. for me. Um, do we want to do best cover, maybe? 
Let's see. Best cover artist, we have Jamal Campbell, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which is by Boom. Yep. Uh, Simone de Mio, we only find them when they're dead. Boom. Uh, Mike Huddleston, Decorum, Image. Dave Johnson, Butcher of Paris, Dark Horse. Peach Momoko. Yep, that's right. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, number 19. He's got a couple on here, actually. Wow. Uh, Vampire Slayer 19, Mighty Morphin number 2, Something is Killing the Children number 12, Power Rangers number 1. Um, there, there's a lot on there. And yeah. then Raymond K. Perez for Stillwater. By image. Right. Well, as far as images are concerned, like, Peach Momoko is so popular right now, so I can easily see that, because there's a slew of covers out there that she's, uh, she's got a hybrid, like, it's a manga art style, but a lot of Marvel variants. Currently, she's on a Marvel contract, which is fairly recent still. So, like, she's, uh, all of those are the books she did before that. So, okay. her stock in the world has gotten to be crazy. So, it'll be interesting to see what the, what comes out of those winner-wise. I mean, as far as, I mean, there's lots of other categories and lots of There's other a ton of categories. I didn't like, even know. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, so sometime, sometime this summer we'll see the, the Eisner Awards uh, named after Will Eisner. It's funny, every time that you invite me on this podcast, I stumble upon some kind of news that I'm like, oh, this would work perfect. <laughs> Last time it was good. the demon uh, the demon uh, news. What was that? Uh, good demon? Oh, man. Lucky demon. That's Lucky what it was. Demon, that's yeah, right. yeah, which yeah. I'm really excited about. Yeah, it does actually. It's in the catalogs now. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. so it showed up. Nice. First, uh, first issues in the newest catalog. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, that's all I really had for news stuff. I mean... As far as, uh, the Eisner Awards is a pretty big thing this week, so, like, if you are into that part of things, and don't get me wrong, just like the Oscars, there's, like, lots of categories that have to say, really, that's a category? Colorist, uh... Letterers. Letterers, man, there's a ton. All still important jobs. Agreed. But things that, I, I mean, most of us don't... I want to say, I don't usually look for a book and be like, Doug did the letters on that book. Right. <laughs> I need that book because of right. Doug. Oh, you broke it down even with kids. Kids. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because Superman, Kluke. Uh, Young readers. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, the Superman uh, smashes the clan. Smashes the clan. Managed to get on there, and that's awesome. Yeah. So, I, I mean, good luck to them. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Think I think that's going to win that category. Everything we looked at, I was like, I think that'll take it. Did you see the, I showed T. Brown, the podcast that's Old Man Starlord? Oh, yeah. Oh, um, no. Was it on Spotify? Is that what you pulled it up on, or is well, it something on, else? It's on everything. Oh, is so, it? So it's like it's on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on. Um, so is it a reading of the comic series into well, a podcast? It's like a, it's like a it's dramatization. Like the, I okay. don't know. I don't know. Did they do an old man Star Wars? They did. There's is it a, is it about them looking for the Black Mirror? Uh, Rocket and him. Um, I that's don't that's what the that. that's what the podcast is. Okay. It's like it's a dramatization. It's officially, for those who like to look it up, it's called Marvel's Wastelanders Old Man Star-Lord. Um, in a post-apocalyptic post post future, Marvel's Wastelanders Old Man Star-Lord finds Peter Quill, uh, Timothy Busefield, and Rocket, Chris Elliott, in a little paunchier, a little slower, and a lot saltier than they were during the glory days of Guardians of the Galaxy. That's just a small oh, tidbit. cool. Yeah. Well, there was a mini-series they did um, called Old Man Star-Lord. There's been a couple, and only the one series for Old Man Star-Lord, but they've done a couple different of the Old Man series. So, originally, Old Man Logan was the main well, one. Old Man Logan, Old Man Hawkeye. Yep. Uh, but, like, with the Old Man Star-Lord, like, they've been, like, so there's four episodes out. Have um, you listened to it? I listened to the first episode. What'd you think? Um, it starts rough. Um... Audio wise, it's like it's kind of funky. The guy that plays Rocket on it is like 
makes more sense. The guy that plays Star Lord is trying to sound too much like Rocket. Like you, sometimes you're like, ah. but as time goes on, they start to finally separate. Like who sounds what? It's interesting. It's like I don't know where they're going with it. Like they're kind of at this point they they stumble upon a Stark Stark Enterprises ship and then find some robot that like is just meant to record everything but the brood has taken control of the ship and like killed everybody on it so that's it's just rocket and peter they're stuck on the bridge of the ship that like is a during the whole old man logan storyline kind of thing oh that's cool yeah so it's like what's going on with them and then like they meet up with the collector and the collector's, like, not the old school collector. It's a woman now. And she, like, puts these collars on them that, like, are made of adamantium that she can control them. And she's, like, if you don't put them on. And, like, so they're, like, you you have to find the black... Uh, black mirror? The black mirror... But what's that? So there, was a, there was a series a while back called that was actually called Black Mirror. And uh, the mirror itself would show you the perfect version of yourself, like... Right, but it's like, so is this woman, the woman who's the new collector sends Peter and Ra- Rocket on this to find to the find new- it. If you wind up stumbling into it, the mirror would transform you, but it wasn't always for the good. Even though it was the best theoretical version of yourself, didn't actually mean that it was the best person of yourself. Right. So it, it's almost like ultimate power made you ultimately evil, but there was a Star Lord, or yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy crossover with the X-Men going with that same item. Maybe like a year ago, two years. No, got any longer than that. Two years ago, the it's called something else. So black something. That was the black mirror. That's what black mirror is. Pretty sure it's called something else. I thought. I wonder if there's. Let me try to look for it. Uh, Anyway, so that's kind of like it's like it's like this podcast, like dramatization. Like it's as as it went on, it got better in the first episode. I was like, so I was only like twenty minutes into it, and I think there's like fifteen minutes left. But I was like, okay. I'll have to check that out. That that sounds really exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's no mind frame. <laughs> no, we, seriously. We could talk about mind frame all night, but if you're not listening to mind frame, please, please, please check it out. It's Josh invested me very, very quickly. He was like, oh, you need to check this out, blah, blah, And I took it, you know, very nonchalantly. And that now I'm, wow, what an incredible series. What an incredibly well produced, uh, written and narrated. Amazingly great stuff. If you like if you like sci-fi please please um to check it out it's called mind frame podcast is it black vortex is that what it is black vortex there is. oh black, nice. I, it, took, it took me a second i had to like he's black vortex yeah great and great so stuff. but like they're trying to do what mind frame is doing mm-hmm. which is cool to do like an audio drama for like something that was like well let's not do a comic book on this but like we can do but like i was like oh i'll listen to it it slowly, like, catches up, and all of a sudden it starts sounding good. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it's supposed to be, like, a cool thing. So, like, I'm kind of curious, because I haven't gotten to the second episode yet. Maybe but, like, it was supposed to be that way. It's But it's weird, because, like, Rocket and Peter Quill's characters sound almost what the actors playing them are talking the same. Huh. So the, the Rocket character sounds really good. You're like, oh, that makes sense. So, like, it just kind of... I don't know. It just doesn't flow as much as it should. Like, I was kind of like, because I've heard, heard Mind Frame, I've listened to like some other, like, there's another one called Breakers Podcast, which is like a really cool one. Like, it's a, another, like, like, fictional storyline you follow or whatever. But like, like, those are rad. But this one is like, ah, it's, like, these are cool characters. Like, 
Star-Lord and Rocket, and then, like, they meet up with this, like, weird android, and the brood is taking control of this Stark ship, and there's, like, what's going on? And then, like, like look at the, like, and it's, like, how did you get on this thing? Like, what's going on? Like, how did you get here? Like, well, let's, we'll, we'll tell you the story, and it's, like, well, let's go back in time, and it's, like, meeting up the, with the new collector, which is, like, a, a like woman. Type, yeah. right, a woman said, now, not a man. Right. And it's, like, all about, she's sending him on this mission to find the Black Vortex. And that's how the whole thing starts. So, interesting. That's cool. I'm really excited for for that, first of all. But, I mean, again, we've talked about it on this podcast, but the the Batman series that's coming, which J.J. Abrams, I think, is a part of, um, specifically just by I heard about that months and months and months ago, and I was like, I'm in. And then Josh got me on this mind frame, and now the more and more, I'm just like, I cannot wait for 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 this Batman tale that they're going to do. And I'm really excited for this. Well, proper things. Like, you got to understand that, like, the mind frame, like, Yumi talks about it, like, probably, like, ten minutes a day early. We should talk I'm gonna about catch, it. I'm going to catch up. We're going to talk we're, about we're it. Only, we're only two episodes behind, like, mm-hmm. where you are and where I am. But, like, it's... We're going like, to talk more about it tomorrow, for sure. Dave kills it. Like, oh, Dave, Dave is a brilliant storyteller. Like, Dave Moten, like, he's, like, the main guy from... I like, want him to narrate right. my funeral. <laughs> no, like, no, no, like, he, so he's, he's a rad dude, man. Gosh. Like, and that's, you know, the, the, so good. the biggest thing that really damaged... Everything like with COVID and stuff mm-hmm. is like we were supposed to do a Soap King podcast meetup in Junction last year, right? Yeah, yeah. And like we we're gonna do it at the restaurant. It's it it gonna be a big ordeal. Oh man, yeah. that'd have been so because good. of COVID. We had to cancel everything. The year before, we met up with the girls from El Yucateco, and they're they're great girls. Like they're like now uh, they're sponsoring my frame. Sarah, well, well, Sarah and Amy connected to yeah, because yeah. Sofa King, because like because uh, they sponsor Sofa King. Well, because like the Podbelly thing is like right. is Brett like like Brent is like you know like Brett Van Tassel. He's like one of the main dudes from <laughs> Sofa King. Like, but anyway, so but Sarah and Amy are brilliant girls. Like, they're awesome, and we like met up with them. We took them to the restaurant. They're like, you guys are awesome. We were amazing. They were supposed to do the. So in the next Self King meetup in Grand Junction, and we were just like, you know, because it's kind of centralized, and uh, it was going to be awesome. It was going to be this rad thing, and then like COVID happened right. and ruined everything for everybody because it was like it was going to happen the weekend that they do the bike race downtown, which yeah, yeah, was yeah. also like a brew fest and also like uh, all that stuff. So blah blah blah, we didn't get to do it, and whatever. But we'll reschedule. They'll do it again for sure. Like, good which, people, which would be great. But like Amy and Sarah are like big fans of No Coast, and who's not? Well, thanks. But good stuff. Um, good stuff. The cool thing is, is that like Dave is just such a brilliant storyteller. Even like his sofa game stuff. Like I've I've tried to get you to involve in like, yeah. Like, I, I think I just picked a poor episode. Once to you be start fair. listening, though, like you're like, okay, I get these guys. Yeah, I think I picked a poor because like. The first fifteen minutes, they call it like the the golden fifteen or like the or the something twenty, like anything like, and just like it, it is what it is, and they're brilliant. But like, it's just what they do is what they do. They they are they're like they're like the never been on podcast, right? They just do what they do. But when it comes to the mind frame thing, it's like similar to what we're doing here. So like, but like the the mind frame like. I love science. I like. I like. I love sci-fi. I, I've read a million sci-fi books over the years, and like, and I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't promote things unless I really, really love them. Like, I don't do it just because I'm like whatever. Like, 
just like this podcast. Like I'm only I only do this podcast for CBS because like like one like he's my he's my best friend. I love this guy. It's like you're on this podcast because you're one of my best friends. I'm honored to be here. Honored and to like, be here. And then every we, every we time. Do the same I'm so excited when you text me. Do you want to be on the podcast? Hey, you better believe it. Love it. But here's the deal. Like when it comes to Mind Frame, it's a sci-fi thing that I just like. It like it fits. It's it's such a how to explain it, man. Like I mean, my thing was well produced. That, that was the big thing to me. Is is it, I mean, and you 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 put it to me as hey, this is a great concept and 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 it's out there and it's cool. But to me, to me, the real thing was how how well produced the show is. How uh, 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 even how even keeled he is the entire time when he's talking. How how um, I, I guess produced is the only really real thing that I can say. It's so well done but from the beginning. Sto- the story is so good. Though. Oh, the, sto- the, the story is beyond good. It, it it is something that has just really thrown me for a loop. And and, the, and even as somebody like I've read like a million sci-fi novels over the years. Like so, like I, I'm. I'm on this, I'm on a different page that you are, and like, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's fine. It's like it's it's not that like like Dave wrote it a certain way because he's a sci-fi writer, and like he did this thing, but like you're like you're in a place you're like, well, I don't get, like, and I explain like, oh, you're like, okay, so like I get things differently than you do. You know what it is, dude? It's so he makes it feel so personal. Right, he really. That, that's that's the word I was groping for, it, 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 searching for. It, 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 it. He makes it feel so personal to the to the listener, and I I really cherish that. I really like, do. The, the Orson really do. the Orson Welles War of the Worlds thing, where like he was like he's doing that radio Absolutely. broadcast, and like people thought that was real life. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like how I feel about like when he's doing this thing, where you're like you feel invested in it. Absolutely, you that's, know what I mean? that's the best way to describe it. And it's it's so good. Like he like. You've listened to it. like I tried to like make season the first he, episode. He, we were talking about that outside. He actually really liked what he heard. And so like, far. he's gonna. Well, it's so good. It like, is so and cool. Dave writes on this level, man. Like I just, I've like I've I've li- I've always Scott Card. Um, I could go for days, but it's so good and so like it's wonderful. What with this old man Star Lord thing, I was like, okay, this could be really cool. There's only four episodes out, but I'm like, I'm kind of disappointed so far. Because the bar high. is pretty high. <laughs> the bar is well, pretty high. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's a problem. Well, but I mean, like, but the the, the characters in Old Man Star Lord have already been established, right? Sure. And so that's the problem. Is like they're trying to. It should be kind of easy. You think so? <sighs> anyway, it, it's just, it's something that like I think that Marvel could do tell stories on a different level. Well, there's been there's there's a book they did before. It was called Wolverine. Oh gosh, uh, Endless Night or shoot, I don't remember what the title was. Silent Long Night, yes, Wolverine Long Night, and originally it started as a audio drama, and then it got so popular they turned it into a comic book. So it went the opposite direction, and uh, as a thing, it started as a like a well, when I say radio drama, I mean like podcast radio drama, mm-hmm. same thing. So it, it's happened the other direction before. I don't remember enough about Old Man Star Lord to know if that's the same story or not, just because I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But as far as like a thing, that series ran maybe eight issues. Okay, and I don't really remember. Guys, it's been a minute since that happened, so I don't. Yeah, I don't really know if it's the same or not. But as far as a thing, they've done something similar before, and like I guess that that particular Wolverine thing had like really amazing voice acting, from what I've been told. Now, granted, I've never listened to it. 
I didn't read the comic book. The comic book's pretty good. It's like dealing with Wolverine being in Alaska. So if somebody out there knows where that is, please hit us up on social media sure. and let us know, because we would be really interested in knowing... Checking it out. Yeah, yeah. checking that out. Absolutely. But yeah, as a thing, it's it's not an undoable sense of situation. No, it, I think it's a great... Again, I haven't listened to, uh, I mean, a lot of uh, things on audio, but the, uh, the Batman thing was one of the first things that came to me. Sure. And then Josh hit me with this, and now I'm like, wow, I could listen to so much medium with this, and I'm at work, you know, doing whatever I'm doing, and I'm like, this is great. Actually, I was going to ask you, Josh, if I read Lord of the Rings while listening to it, does that mean I read Lord of the Rings? I mean, <laughs> I guess, basically. I mean, like, like you'll give me credit for that, really? Well, Rogan talks about like he like he, he listens to audiobooks all the time and like that's I mean I really enjoy it. It makes it easier for a lot of people like to read the audiobooks. Oh, because I can books. listen so much faster and I can read goodness. I can't. I can't read. See, I'm the opposite. I don't read good. I'm the opposite, but like it has to be like it has to be good when I listen to it. Sure. So that's my problem. Like, but the thing is, like I I'd listen to a lot. I I listen to a lot more audiobooks, but like I'm not going to pay it like. Aud- Audible Audible's really charges $15 a month and then per but book. then you but then you got to buy the book I thought so that was like crummy it's like huh. yeah you know like I don't I don't spend crazy. $15 a month on any streaming service that I am a part of yeah and then like you also have to pay for the thing per thing I'm with it's you like, cuz I I did the same thing I was like that that's a little egregious it's stupid yeah I and that's my problem with is like I I would listen to like I would listen to like a thousand books a week. Oh yeah, I mean, you, I, you, I, you and I, I would no problem. Yeah, yeah, like, I would yeah. crush it. But like, I'm not, I'm not gonna pay for every single book. Fifteen dollars a month for Audible, plus yeah. like you buy each book. Oh, it's more because fifteen is just a start. Because I think the twenty dollar a month, you yeah, get, it's stupid. Yeah, you get that's, certain books that are free. No, let me tell you, <sighs> that's my frustration. Is sure. it's like I'm so irritated by like what like. It's just an audiobook. Like, right. let me just buy an audiobook to listen to it. Well, well hopefully this medium... The service. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, oh, you're good. Sell the book, don't sell the service. Right. You're hopefully this medium books. that we're all yeah. into with Mindframe and with this old old man, Star-Lord, and maybe if someone, again, hits us up with this old man, Wolverine... Well, it was Wolverine, Wolver- Longest Night, Longest Night sure, the title. Hopefully this medium can kind of continue and we, we, can, we can really get into it, because I'm super enjoying it. I, I anyway, it's, it's like... The old man Star Lord, it's it's like a cool idea and like it's decent, like it's decently done. But like when you listen to like Mind Frame, like you're like it's top eh. tier because Dave murders. Like he's a good he's a good storyteller and he's written like this this thing that you're like oh wow this is really really it good. makes me want to read his other one three one three pine it really does it makes me one eighty two pine one eighty two pine sorry or one eighty one eighty one pine which the only reason is like the only know that because like it's Blink one eighty two. So I oh, think, okay. I think 181 is uh-huh. it's 181 Pine, but it used to be called Chama, New Mexico. Yeah, it changed titles. He said that. Yeah. And so like those three, I think, are pretty much done. But yeah, he said he said that one's finished. Yeah. Finished. So, but he's like, this is his second trilogy. Mm-hmm. So those are about like a like the his first trilogy is mm-hmm. about a uh, pandemic. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'll check that out. But like a uh, the fact mind frame is like a whole another. It's so good. Like, like I'm glad. We, I, I'm, I'm so glad you told me about. I'm it. glad we got to spend like 15, 20 minutes on that. We're gonna talk more about it tomorrow because I'm gonna catch up. <laughs> we catch up tomorrow. And I'm gonna be so excited. All right. Any other news? Oh, I don't think so. That's about. I mean, as far as we went through the awards. Right so yeah, yeah so that, that podcast. We went through the podcast thing, which is old man Star Wars. Which, so they did or did not do a book. About. No, there is a book called Old Man Star Lord. How many issues are it? Uh, I want to say it's eight, okay. if I remember correctly. 
they've done, so after Roman Starlight, there's been another one, actually. It was called Avengers of the Wasteland. Avengers of the Wasteland, I want to say, I think it was only six. Well, that, that's what it's called. So dealing with all the, well, they're, from what Josh was saying. Marvel's Wastelanders is what it's called. It's, Old Man Starler. That's a, that's two things combined for one title. Oh, okay. But the other storyline, so in the grand scheme of Old Man, Old Man storylines, we had Old Man Logan, then Old Man Hawkeye. Don't forget about Old and Woman Harley. That's um, I DC. know. But it is a play. It is. A, it is. It is. They were poking fun at it. It totally was. So then after Hawkeye was Old Man Quill, then after Old Man Quill was Avengers of the Wasteland, and like they all read from the same time frame of Old Man Logan time, but the books themselves, the Hawkeye's a prequel to Old Man Logan, because the way it goes for him in the story, and it's before he lost his eyes. The Star-Lord, best from what I can remember, was happening at the same time. Where the Wasteland Avengers land, I don't really remember that. I, I'm sure it says it, but I don't remember. But as far as the Old Man series, those are the ones they made. So this sounds like the uh, moniker of the title from both those two, but I don't remember enough about the series versus Quill to remember if it's the same thing or not. So I guess I have to go back and look at the books and figure that out, but I don't, I don't remember if it is. I'd be surprised if it wasn't, but... I, as a thing, I mean, series-wise, there's a lot of different pieces that all-man all man timeline. Sure. Just those titlings, those are the prime ones. I just think it's so cool to have a different medium to... Try to relate enjoy, something. Yeah, to yeah. enjoy. I think that's so smart. Um, and and not, not to repeat myself, which obviously I do, but that Batman series is what started me sure. down this path, and now I'm jonesing for that. I'm so excited for that. Yeah. It's really cool. Well, as far as the thing, like, I, I'll tell you that Wolverine one, we've heard a lot about it turned into a book. And so, I know we talked about it in the podcast. It's too, obviously like, popular enough, yeah. Probably two years ago or something. Nice. But yeah, it wasn't one I ever chased forward and listened to, but I was told it was, should have a lot, actually. Cool. Anyhow. Did you guys watch um, Mighty Ducks? No. Episode 10? I My wife's watching it. She you guys she watch? I haven't watched Loki yet. What's the thing with Josh Jamal, like the... Jupiter, Jupiter ascending, it's, it's Jupiter, over. Jupiter's legacy. Yeah, like Jupiter uh, ascending. I, that's I, the Wachowski. It is. <laughs> similar idea, not the same thing. Is it a similar idea, really? No. Oh, okay. It's just the title. Okay. So um, I watched the first episode, and it was okay, but uh, it has not been. Re- it's it's only it's already one canceled. Season. They already yeah, canceled it. Yeah, what do you think about it? Like, I mean, the first episode was decent. I mean, I didn't watch it, so the, I don't know. It so the costuming is very retro, but it's supposed to be. The only piece that really kind of bothered me in it is that constantly is about, oh, the rules are not killing, and that's fine. But isn't that the story, though? I mean, it is. But he goes over it so much in the first episode, so many times, it gets to be like, Jesus, are you talking about that again? It's not, like, the first episode was not slow, but I've been told the rest of the series is. And granted, I haven't watched the rest of the series, I've only watched the first episode. From the first episode, I thought, fine. I mean, characters look right. As far as uh, powers, nothing doesn't look Costumes do look good. Whoever did the costumes, are yeah, really, really costumes look good. Well done. well done. As far as the story, like I didn't have any problem with the first episode, but uh, it feels intermixed with the way the books did it, and I, I'm fine with that too. So until I watch a little more, I guess I don't see where the disconnect is. But I've been told that it gets slower, which is not a good thing. Have we talked about Invincible on this show? Um, I think I mentioned no. it, but not like I watched the first. I watched the first episode, and I did enjoy it. It's good. It's Kirkman, right? Yeah. Okay. Robert Kirkman's the dude to The Walking Dead. Right. Uh, yeah, the first season is great. It's been renewed for two seasons. 
Invincible has? Yeah, it's really. Oh, you fin- oh you finished season oh, one? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm only in on episode one. It's awesome. I really enjoy it. Well, you know what God to me is J.K. Simmons. I, oh, I yeah. I love him. I just watched Rip Whiplash again recently, and gosh, that guy's incredible. But um, that's what really got me excited. To be honest with you, it was I love his voice. Oh, no, he's good. And Steve Yeun doing the voice of uh, mm-hmm. Mark. Yeah, it's great. Is it Steve Yeun? It is. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's awesome. All right. Um, it pacing wise, it's different from the book. It does get so the books comparatively, like we get to things fairly quick. So once you get to the, yeah, once you get a little farther forward, things get absolutely crazy. So it's it's nuts, but it is fantastic. It's good stuff. But yeah, it's already 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 uh, greenlit for two more episodes, two more seasons. Good, good for them. Good, so, good for Kirkman too. He's a good writer. I mean, as far as things, and that's the third thing he's had turned into a show. I mean, Walking Dead's the biggest one. But Outcast, one of his other books, kind of about possession. It got turned into two two seasons. Uh, only one really released in America, though. Over on, uh, oh gosh, Cinemax is the company that put really? it. Really? Yeah. Huh. Most of us saw the ad and said Cinemax is still a thing. Uh, but Are yeah, they? <laughs> surprisingly enough, I didn't know that. But Outcast got one season released in the U.S. and the other the other season get definitely released overseas, but never here really. So I'd like to see him write a write a. Uh a, a show like, uh, well, not a show, but a, but a, but a comic like Oz, the like the prison the show. Oh, no, show. yeah, uh, I think uh, he would do. Sorry, no. Uh, For some reason, I just hit my mind. I was like, that sounds <laughs> great. That's exciting. Well, as far as styling, I mean, the dude got the. As far as books, I mean, the The Walking Dead and the Invincible are both the two longest running ones, and they are very different books, but also awesome. And like Outcast, very different as well. And he's got another one called Oblivion Song, and it's great too. So the dude's got a handful of other stuff that hasn't even been touched outside of books. And as far as like writing, they're good. Right. So yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, Invincible landing someplace. I mean, it, it's great. Corey Smith did the designs of the original batch of characters, and Ryan Otley did the art for a majority of the season. And both of those guys are awesome. Yeah, it's definitely so, the same like, art. As far as uh. Style is concerned, I think it's really cool, but it was great. Not change subject, and and I know that this is for a different podcast, but everyone needs to watch Cruella. If you haven't seen it, it's incredible. Oh yeah, CBS, CBS, and I were talking about it outside, but we, we're absolutely in love with it. I heard it was really good. It it, man, you're gonna love it. it it's incredible. Probably won't, but no, I really think you are. It, I think it's it's hard not to like, but no, it's yeah, it's good. It, it's yeah, it's good. Uh, so we're moving to books. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Uh, Mr. Brown, you want to tell us about Crush and Lobo? I'm going to tell you about Crush and Lobo. Uh, This is DC, one of eight Crush and Lobo. Uh, Writer is Marquio Tamaki. Artist is Amani. Wow, man, I hate to butcher this name, but I'm going to. Nalupan. Nalupan? Nalupan. Close enough. Yeah. Amanke, Amanke, Uh Book opens, um, and this is kind of all from Crush's um, perspective. Um, she's talking about a, a, a fight that she's been in recently and kind of what's going on. Um, she, she fast forwards and says, hey, you know, this is this is the cool part. Let's let's back up and 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 talk about you know what happened previously. She's in New York. Uh, she fights uh, a couple people, uh, what looks like a, a gang of some sort in, in, in the street. Uh, Crazy gang of ram-headed guys. Right. Some of them are ram-headed. One of them looks like Krang. 
from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Totally is. Totally, totally is Krang. So she fights these, uh, these, these, these aliens, aliens yeah. in New York and is, you know, just absolutely whipping them left and right. And, and she comes to this Krang creature who has a lot of tentacles. He's kind of floating around. And she's, and he's like, don't do it. Don't do it. And she kicks him. And he kind of, you know, boom, sails sail, 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 away. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, she gets a phone call, and she's like, oh, no. And she looks down, and it is from her girlfriend, Kate. And it says Kate's, oh, it's a reminder, excuse me, sorry. It's a reminder. It says Kate's birthday in 10 minutes. So she's just like, oh, no, I, I, I got to go. I got to go. I'm going to be late for this birthday party. She uh, jumps on her bike and is just hauling over to get to this birthday party. And along the way, she's talking about everything's cool with Kate. You know, me and her are great. And... The only problem is she's normal and Crush is not. She's obviously very um, alien. Zarnian. Zarnian. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Very, very, very Zarnian. If you know the character, um, you know that she is Lobo's daughter. Si, senor. She showed up before this, obviously. This yeah. is not her first appearance, so we know that she's she's Lobo's daughter. We move towards uh, the party. Um, there's fireworks. There's all these wonderful um, tents that's outside. The parents are there, and again, these parents are normal parents, super excited for their daughter, Kate, and very excited to what seems to be the first meeting of Kate's girlfriend, um, Crush. And Crush is kind of like, oh, they're so polite, and they're so wonderful. Uh, she packs, backs into the cake. The cake almost falls. Somebody catches it. Kate is saying, oh, it's okay. You know, everything's fine. You didn't mess it up. She continues to, you know, they dance. You know, will you dance with me? There's a great shot of Kate and her. There's a lot of interpersonal monologue going on in her head too. I was just like, I don't fit here. There is, yeah. She, so it's she, like it's written pretty. It's got pretty cool inner monologue stuff. Right. She's got a hard time with, um, with 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 kind of these normal people and not coming from a normal family. Uh, her and Kate have a conversation about. You know, your parents are here, and she's like, oh, well, parents, it's my birthday. You didn't expect my parents, and she's like, not all parents come to your birthday. Right. So, obviously, she's had kind of a different upbringing. Uh, Crush kind of moves towards the end, uh, the end of the tent, and kind of says, hey, you know, maybe, maybe I should go. She kind of stomps away, and as she's stomping away, there are footprints that she's left. These footprints uh, are, are very pink, and... She kind of says, all right, I, I need to, you know, move on to, you know, kind of get out of the way of, of these normal people. They light the birthday candles on the cake and this big uh, cloud of pink gas just comes uh, engulfing all of this party, all of this tent, all these people. Uh, and they all kind of start just running. She's like, run, run, run. We need to run. Come to find out, uh, Kate comes up to her and kind of says, hey, you know, what, what the heck's going on? What happened? Crush really doesn't know. She's like, maybe there was some kind of gel on my boot from the fight I was just in mixed with the flames that could have caused so on and so forth. Kate does her best to be as sensitive to the situation as possible and then says, maybe, maybe, maybe you should go. Um, part of that inner monologue, there's a point where um, Crush references being part of the Titans and oh, how there's certain rules in the Titans. When you're done battling space aliens, you're supposed to decontaminate all your um, clothing and things that would have touched anything spacey to not track 
crazy space nonsense. Correct. So the pink footprints, yeah, she just didn't bother clean her boots, didn't think about it at all. Correct. We fast forward to what seems to be seven, several, several days later, and we come to an apartment building. There's a red bike that shows up, and somebody's knocking on the door. It happens to be Red Arrow saying, hey, how's it going? Haven't heard from you in a couple days. And Crush is obviously very upset. Sounds like her and Kate have broken up, uh, and they're kind of having a hard time with, with, with what's going on. Kate brings up, or excuse me, not Kate, <laughs> sorry, Red Arrow brings Red up, Arrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, have, have you talked to your dad recently? And she's like, well, he texted me and said, hey, I'm in this facility that is really helping me keep calm and things are good. I also have a therapist. He points over and there's a cybernetic robot who's waving. And uh, he's like, you know, if if you want, it'd be really nice if you came out here. Come and visit me in jail. Correct. <laughs> come come and visit me in 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 this facility. He's got the best smile ever. I, I love love the art in this book, but the close-ups on his face are really really well done. And Red Arrow says, hey, you know, maybe you should think about going out and seeing your dad. Maybe it would be cathartic or, you know, therapeutic, exactly yeah. therapeutic to, uh, you know, go, go ahead and have a chat with him. And she's like, absolutely not. There's no way I'm not interested. There's, there's, there's no reason for me to do that. Uh, she notices the cups on her table and says, how many travel cups do you have? And red arrows like, well, you have so many travel cups because you're running all the time. So we, she kind of, she kind of, uh, what do you call it? Swoos? Swoos. Well, she, 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 like, waves her away. Yeah, yeah. She's just kind of like, like, all right, oh, Red Arrow, get out of here. Whatever, get out of yeah, here. Yeah, get out of here. By the way, it's 35. Right. It's like, there's, there's a yeah, lot of them. Yeah, a lot of cups. So many 30, cups. 45. 45 cups. 45. She says 35. Yeah. She has 45. And she moves forward and says, all right. She kind of looks out at uh, what I believe is Titan's Titan Tower. Tower and kind of says, all right. She kicks in the door at Titan Tower and steals... What seems to be what do they call this jet? I don't know the name of that one. It, it does have a it's, name. It's though. like it's like the X Men uh, Blackbirds, Black but yeah. that's not what it is. But same idea. So she steals the jet, and the next scene we have is Lobo talking to his robotic counselor. Counselor kind of says, "Hey, inmate, how you feeling? How's everything going?" The robotic counselor lights his cigar and says, "Hey, there's a message from your daughter." It was received on such and such date. And he says, fingers crossed. Uh, what do you want, a parade? Thanks for reading. See you whenever the next one comes out. I'm not in charge of these things. It's a close in the book. It's very fourth wall breaking. It is very fourth wall breaking. But Lobo's obviously very excited to um, see Crush. And he seems excited or, or, or has his own, uh, what do you call it? I would say ulterior motives. Yeah, ulterior motives. Definitely has some ulterior motives with that smile. Yeah. All his overly grinning, overly happy. He's extremely happy. Yes, very much so. Extremely happy. Uh, Or appears to be, at least. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I want to say the last time that the two of them were actually together in book was in the Teen Titans, and he showed up to rubber out because no other Zarnians, that's how he works. Right, yeah, he, yeah. So, uh. He's killed every other Zarnian. Yeah. They, they mention that in the book. So, yeah, as a thing, it'll be interesting to see what the next couple... I mean, it's a miniseries, so... Yeah, one of eight. We'll see, yeah. Uh, I actually really... Uh, um, not that I 
not that I want to get political, but the, the pride thing, uh, one of eight and the DC symbol with the, uh, what do you call it? The, the rainbow yeah. symbol. I was like, that's actually really cool looking. I really like that. Yeah, they did it on a bunch of the books uh, for this month for, for pride flavoring. I like so. that. Um, I, I thought this book was great. I, I, it's probably my favorite book out, out of tonight. Mm, yeah, it's my favorite book out of tonight. Um, mainly because I like Lobo. I like a lot of DC things. Sure. And, and I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and score for that book. What are we doing out of five, right? Is that what this, is that what this podcast That's what goes on. Uh, I, I, I'd probably give it a three. I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, well written. It's, the art's great. Uh, Lobo again is so much fun. And again, the, the, the ulterior motives, which are obviously plainly written on his face. I mean, I, I think he'll probably make her, uh, spring him from, <laughs> from. I, I assume that's what the deal is right. also. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, her haircut is really cool. I like the idea of her dating a, an average normal person, which is, uh, really, really awesome. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, probably, probably three and a half. Okay. Can I give a half score? Yeah. Something? Okay, three and a half. As far as, uh, as far as books, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty entertaining. I kind of wonder, this is just me, like, surmising things. At the very start, when she's uppercutting through what appears to be a robot body, she's like, let's go back to where the story starts. Oh, I didn't think of that, yeah. I th- kind of wonder if it's his, yeah. if it's Lobo's, um, <laughs> counselor, therapist, therapist, robot? yeah, sir. If that's who that actually is. Who light um, his cigar with their fingers. Yeah. That's good stuff. It's so funny. Oh, yeah, dude. Your therapist in jail is this crazy robot that mm-hmm. oh, also is just sort of helpful for things you wouldn't think would yeah, be. Yeah, he seems to be going along with everything Lobo's yeah. saying. It's so in- interesting. Um, score-wise, I mean, I give it two and a half. Art's pretty. Uh, art's good. Story's fun. I mean, it's a miniseries, so we'll see what they do with it. Crush doesn't get a lot of play outside of the Titan stuff, and she's pretty new as a character, really. Uh, so I dig that they're making more for her. I'm trying to build her brand, I guess. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, two and a half. Um, Mr. Josh, you know anything about crushing? I do, I do a three and a half. All right. I like the character. I'm like, I usually don't like like the what way I'm going on, but because I like Lobo, right? But I don't like Lobo spinoffs. Like I don't like I don't like like Venom. Like Venom's like one of those things. Like I don't really like Venom. Gotcha. But like I think Lobo's that in the DC universe. So my, my issue is that, like, I think that I like Crush as a character because, like, she's Lobo's inadvertent kid. Right, like, we'll right. S- we'll see where it goes. And the art was great. I got a three and a half. Cool. Awesome. Right on, right on. All right. So from that guy, we'll move into the uh, six sidekicks of Tr- Trigger Keaton. Uh, this is from Image Comics. Uh, it's also a miniseries. Um, this guy's... uh. Written by Kyle Starks, and the art is by uh, Chris Schweizer. And uh, so, here's you eyes when it first starts out, we have these two kids in the middle of a bank robbery, and the two of them are like, I can't believe we're trying to try to stop the bank robbery, tough. And uh, as the two of them are talking, eventually the gunman turns his gun on them, and, and uh, tough says, oh, don't worry, uh, martial art will save us. Well, I don't know. We could bring friends because he got real mad at me. So I don't know if he's going to save us or not. As the gunman takes notice of the kids and starts yelling at them to, to, what are you kids doing here? And he swings his gun around at him. About that time, we have the window behind him explode. And uh, a man dressed with a crazy cowboy hat, uh, red shirt, boots, full-on Chuck Norris, Texas Walker Ranger style. Busts through the window and we see him karate chop the gun out of his hand, out of the, co- the robber's hand and 
kick him in the face, and then the two kids are both like, ah, oh, martial art! And uh, we see a pullback, and he poses with his karate hand out. He, he tells him, howdy, boys! Excuse me for a second, as he continues to whoop all the other robbers. And uh, as that's happening, like, he, he decks one, and he kicks the other one, and then after he's beat them, we get the, uh, the kid tough comes and hugs him. Oh, thanks for saving us, martial art. And uh, all, the other kid with him says, oh, Marshall, behind you. And we see another gunman that's worked out of nowhere behind him. He spins around, punches the dude in the face, and the guy's reaction is holding his nose, bloodied. I can't, what are you, what, what are you doing, wardrobe? I, what is going, what did you do, Keaton? And uh, we cut to see that we were on a movie set. And uh, the man who is now bloodied badly by his nose, he's not very happy um, that he's been punched in the face, actually. And we see two kids standing there, and uh, Trigger walks over to the craft service table and has himself a beer. One of the execs comes over and is like, you can't keep punching all the stuntmen in the face. You gotta, you can't do that. We can't insure all these people. He's like, people watch my shows because they want reality. They don't want some stupid fake scenes with me fighting. I'm the martial arts expert. And, uh, eventually the, the younger kid, Tough, comes over and he says, Oh, I've been practicing all my work, tr Trigger, so I'm gonna be just like you. And Trigger full-on sweeps the kid, knocks him on the ground. He's like, you're a sissy kid. And he basically just tears into the kid about how terrible he is. And he's like, we think, I think we need to get you off the show. And, uh, he basically walks off the middle of nowhere. Then we cut from there to a scene inside of a house. And on the wall, there's this poster for martial art, and it's from the TV show, and we have a dude walk in, dressed in a suit, he's walking around calling for for Trigger, and he can't find him. Eventually he goes into, uh, it looks like the living room area, and we see a pair of boots hanging uh, from the, well not, the boots themselves are hanging, we see between them, we see the, the fellow dressed in the suit, and uh, well, we learn that Trigger has been hung, and uh, from there we get some shots of the police, and from there we get some shots of, uh, them interrogating him and asking him questions, and while they're talking to him, he starts asking them questions too, like cop questions. And one of the lady officer says, "What are you? What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, well, I was cast as Trigger's new sidekick on his detective show, so I had to go through a whole bunch of detective training classes, and I've been out to the the farm and seen a bunch of bodies, so I learned a lot about murder and interrogation." She's like, "You're a TV star, dude. Knock it off." And we find out this was uh, Miles Nijin. He is the sidekick number six um, of Trigger Keaton. From there, we jump to a funeral procession, and we have a few people in a room and a bunch of like flowers, and uh, we'll miss you, Trigger, and all these different like memorial pictures and things. And the first person we meet that we walk into the room with, we find out is Paul, who is sidekick number one. So this was tough. The kid that Trigger got fired off the uh, show. And, like, in the little blur boxes, there's, like, write-ups that would be something from the old-school TV guide. So, like, there's a, a caption where it shows martial art, uh, action man's, action man Trigger Keaton debuts his new Kung Fu Law show with newcomer, and it says Paul's name in there, as his sidekick, Tough. And it tells you what time he's going to play and what channel it's on. And then the direct opposite panel is a news article about 12-year-old... Um, Paul being removed from the show because uh, of backstage bullying by Trigger Keaton and him complaining about it. And that got him fired. 
So now we're at the funeral, and of course he's an adult, and one of the other guys in the room is like, aren't we supposed to wait for like when the media shows up so we can answer questions? And the two of them start talking, and we learn that, uh, well, we don't learn that yet. So the two of them start talking, and then we have the dude, the, the dude in the suit show up, the, the sixth um, psychic. And they introduce each other to, to they talk to each other and introduce, introduce themselves. So Paul introduces himself as their first sidekick. And he's like, the two of them are talking for a second. And then uh, he introduces the, himself as the newest sidekick, number six. And the guy behind him is like, ah, well, I was the car in his, in his, in his, uh, in his sidecar show. I was the third sidekick. And uh, Paul's like, oh, you were Skippy? You were the voice of the car? And the guy's like, yeah, I was the voice of the car. And, like, each one of the different um, sidekicks get their own, like, write-up, like, TV Guide write-up as where they started and where things ended. And they all end badly. Um, so Skippy now is an old man with an older dude with a beard, and he hasn't worked in Hollywood since either. Um, we find out that Paul is a nurse at a, at a hospital. It's funny the way he does it, because he says, yeah, you know what, I probably shouldn't be here anyway. I get back to the hospital. And uh, the, both of them are like, oh, what show are you working on? He's like, no, no, I'm a nurse. I work at the hospital. They're like, uh, oh, oh. Uh, from there, we get introduced to the psychic number two, which is Commando, uh, Terry Commando. We find out that Terry is the one that replaced Tough on the show, uh, Martial Art. And so com- Terry is no, not a fan of Paul because he feels like Paul's a traitor because he turned in Buster and, or turned in, turned in Trigger. And, uh, so he's not, he shouldn't be there because he's not really fr- f- a fan of the, of the master. And this dude has got like crazy long hair and like a bandana and is dressed kind of in a kimono top. So he's, he's dressed definitely weird. And like when he first shows up, he's like, pocket beer? You want a pocket beer? Because he's carrying a beard in his pockets. Anyway, give a little more rundown and then we meet um, Allison, who is um, psychic number five. And we find out Allison's backstory and what she was was she was like a young karate champion, like an actual kid that did karate stuff, that got inducted into being Trigger's fifth sidekick. And of course, things go badly for her. Uh, from there, we finally meet sidekick number four. Sidekick number four is a dude who used to be a football player, like a, an athlete that turned actor. And uh, he also is inducted as a new member of uh, his sidekicks had a very bad falling out between the two of them fighting on the set. So all the new little news articles kind of tell us how everybody exited Trigger's life, and that Trigger's really, like, a terrible person. They're like TV Guide articles, is yeah. what, it, what it reminds me of, yeah. Oh, that's totally what they are. Okay. So when he shows up, um, the media is following him. Of course, he used to be an NFL player, so he has a different kind of backstory than all these other actors that are no longer actors, or like people that were kids. And he goes up into the podium, and he start, gives a speech for the media, and he's like, yeah, whenever suicide is really bad, you got to pay attention to the hotlines. And so he gives a really good, like, speech to the media. And he's like, all right, I'm done. And he turns around and leaves. And the media, of course, follows him, leaving the other sidekicks to be like, I thought we were going to get interviewed. Like, why are we here? And then uh, our detective, number six, he uh, informs Paul that he'd like to see the body. And he's like, that's not how things work. I can't get even more to see the body. And he's like, but you can, right? And he's like, I guess. So. He takes the new detective sidekick to the morgue to look at Trigger's body. He's like, you know what, man? If you're going to just want to see it say goodbyes or whatever, that's fine. If you're going to want to do weird stuff, I'm not into that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. He's, he's like, no, no, you don't understand why I want to see the body. Trigger was murdered. And Paul's like, um, 
well, if that's the case, why would you... He's like, we're going to solve the murder. I'm going to figure out who killed him. And he's like, well, why would you come with the one, like the first guy that everyone hates because he turned his back on Trigger to the morgue to look at his body because I'm the most likely one to have killed him. And like, it seems to roll off the detective in a way that, you know, doesn't, like he can't possibly believe Paul's would have killed him. But he points out all the reasons he believes he was killed and he shows a close up on his neck and like, these literature marks and fingertip prints, all things that, he would have, it, just like a TV show, not like a real thing at all. And he's like, oh, we're going to solve the murder, and I know who did it. Then from there, we go around accusing a few of the uh, other stars. First one we go after, of course, is Terry, the commando. And he accuses him of that, and he's like, no, I love that guy. And he shows him how he says a tattoo on his chest of Trigger. He's like, we used to hang out and have beers on the weekends. And they're both like, you were friends with him? And he goes, no. But if I bring beer to his house, he would let me drink it with him. So, like, even his place in the world is not the same. And we learn a little more about Terry, and it turns out Terry's gone from being star to being um, stuntman coordinator, and he got fired as a stuntman because he wasn't willing to take a fall. So even he has not been able to, like, salvage his so-called life or career. But in the process of that, he also made a lot of enemies of all the other stuntmen. So we got a lot of we got a lot more dialogue in there. This is a super abridged version of things. Um, but we meet a batch of the stuntmen who all show up and they're like, I can't believe you guys are here for this funeral. He's the worst person in Hollywood. He's terrible. He mistreated all of us. He, he, he's horrible. I can't believe you're here, Commando. It's like you're turning your back on all of us. Well, of course, that leads to a fight. And we see that Commando can still do some damage. He can still fight. But it turns into a fight between these actors and the stuntmen. And in the process of the fight, I mean, we see Paul taken. Oh, he avoids so many different shots. Like, very well. And uh, manages to not get his not get himself whooped for being a dude that's a hospital guy. He shows a lot more uh, prowess than what you would expect. Anyway, uh, by the end of the fight, like, the uh, stuntman lead beat up a little bit. One of the stuntmen tells him, "Well, now this is going to lead to the stuntman war. Good luck. You're on the wrong side of the, of the war." And uh, what's a stuntman war? Right. That's what the uh, the detective, who's well, he's not really a detective. That's what number six says. And the book kind of closes with, we don't have time for that, because we have to solve the murder. So it's a murder mystery book. That's where it wraps up at the end. There's a lot more, like, um, there's a lot more funny sort of dialogue in the middle. As far as the book's concerned, I mean, I liked it. The art is not what I normally like art-wise. Uh, it really isn't. But the comedy pacing to it is pretty good. Like, the way that all these actors talk to each other... And how they're all like, oh, what show were you on? And he's like, no, like, it's a real job, y'all. I just liked how that all played out. I thought it was pretty comical and funny. Um, Art-wise, I mean, again, it's not what I normally would like. So that part, I think, is rough. I mean, score-wise, I don't know. I'd give it a one and a half. I'm, I, I'm interested for the rest of the story. So if the payoff comes and the rest of the story is written, the, the murder mystery is interesting, I'll have a higher score for it later, maybe. But as a... As a first issue, I mean, maybe I give it a two. I give it a two. I give it a two. I'm going to stop. I give it a two. Uh, which one you want to go next? Tyler Brown? I know you're not a fan. So. <laughs> What's the lowest score I can give this book? I mean, uh, it's a scale of five, so being zero, I guess. Uh, zero. Uh, zero. Zero. I, I, I think the art is... Uh, I think that I could have drawn better, <clears throat> and I'm not an art, artist by any means. Um, I think the story is uh, campy and... Yes, it's a whodunit, but uh, 
who, who uh, I'm not invested in anything at all with any of these characters. His buddy who drank beer with him or slash was his gopher. Uh, I don't care about, and he shows up in like maybe three pages, and he's the guy who's supposed to be, you know, uh, uh, f- figuring out this murder. I, 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 I just sorry, zero. It's it's not. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Well, I, there, it's, there's it's not a, a lot to defend. It's a mixture of the three trying to figure it out because Commando is just part of the equation. It's the thing that's weirdest about it is the detective character. His show didn't even happen because right. Keaton died. Yeah. So like that's. Uh, and he's the one pushing for answers, like sure. like a dude that oversteps and shouldn't be doing that. It's definitely not my my bag. Forty five. You know about uh, um story wise, I give it a four. Art wise, I give it a one. So in the in the midst, I give it a three, two and a half. Sure. Um, it's a cool idea. I like the idea, that, like like the character, just just uh this. A-hole who was wants to like, he's just like a... Well, he's a terrible, terrible person. Yeah. He's mean to everyone. He's a jerk to everyone. He punches dudes, like, just because he can. He's like, he was a famous... be like if Chuck Norris was a jerk. Like, actually a jerk. I, I, yeah, exactly. That's how I took it. But, like, I like, I like that part of it. Um, but I like that, like, the character who's supposed to be his partner... The detective? There's too much, like, drama. And a lot of, such, like, setup going on. So there's, a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot more dialogue than I gave anybody. So, like, I kind of get this, like, weird, like, Clint Eastwood, like, vibe. It's a fine dandy. It's, like, kind of funny, like, how he's, like, piece of, piece of crap. Right. But, I don't know, like, you can only... But he obviously dies, and so, like, but the guy that like, goes through all the stuff, and, like, he's like, oh, I, I know how to solve these mysteries. Well, I mean, that's what he tells us, so it'll be interesting to see who the actual person is, because, like, they set up all these different n- numbers of different people, why every one of them would want to kill him, but, like, it'll be interesting to see how he clumpos it out. So, two and a half? Yeah, I give it you an F. Like it's kind of right in the middle, like balancing the two things between. I, each other. I like I like the murder mystery part of it, but like, I, I just see where it goes. Like, I mean, I think I of all the of all the books I read tonight, the the writing is the best on this book. But like my my frustration, my frustration is just like, where are they going? Right. Again, with an indie book, like, but like. I like the fact that this book is kind of like, what's going on? It's murder mystery, but like, I don't like, um, what, what's the point? Like, where, where's it going? Where sure. we, right, right. Yeah. Where are we going? It's very, it, it's very hurry up and wait. That make that makes a lot of sense. Sure. Well, uh, we'll move on to, uh, out of body. Sure. Tell me a story about the out of body. I will tell you about out of body. So out of body part one. Uh, this is Aftershock. Si, senor. Uh, writer is, uh, Peter Milligan, and your artist is Inaki Veranda. I'm gonna say that sounds close enough. So we start with a gentleman with a top hat, and he is cowering, or excuse me, he's, he's, he's over a, a, a cowering man, saying, 
next time I, 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 but next time I'll have what I want, you maggot. And this man says, I promise, I promise, I promise. And he says, promises are just as similar as dreams, but so too are nightmares, which I thought was, was actually really, really clever. And we move to this man who is cowering, uh, and saying, you know, I'll have it done in two days, you know, with your magic spells, so on and so forth. Uh, the man says, or whatever frightening thing you do, just get it done. And you can kind of see him uh, wisp away and he's, he's gone. Right. Uh, the gentleman seems to be in some kind of library, it, it appears, or, or warehouse. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Well, it's got a bunch of different bookcases, but as, as far as it's like a non-disclosed, it could easily be like a warehouse Correct. full of books and then. A crazy pentagram on the ground. Yep, there's a pentagram. There was obviously some kind of some kind of uh, uh, what do you call it? Well, something that happened before, but whatever. Some it is, kind of ceremony. Burn into the ground yes. is a thing. So, I mean, we we kind of see it a little bit later. But and this this man is saying, "Who can help me? Who can help me?" And he says, "Of course, the girl. The girl. Of course, of course, the girl." We move to uh, what seems to be a shack, very small small home. Um, with a truck outside and sort of middle America like correct kind of a backwoods area of this uh, we move inside and there's a woman who is um, obviously a medium of some sort she's having a conversation with many many dead people uh, the first one that she kind of is it's hard because her her conversation which is allowed is dealing with multiple entities speaking to her at the same time. And she's kind of saying, you, you need to go away. Uh, wait, I see it. Wait, I see it. Yes. Uh, out of the darkness, a figure. And she sees a shadow come up with a wrench. This wrench swings towards her. There's blood. She's obviously, again, some kind of medium who is having multiple uh, spirits talk to her at once. Um, an old woman kind of bursts through the door and says, hey, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Yafet? Is that how Probably. J-A-P-H-E-T, that's how it goes. Yafet. Um, you know, you're, 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 my mother's out in the pig pen, and my mother is causing a ruckus with my livestock, and I need you to come help me. And of course, this woman's like, I said I'd do it later. And she's like, no, you need to, you need to help me now. And she's like, no, I said now. Uh, from there, we move to a man who's in, a coma of some sort. He's obviously in a hospital. He's on um, life support. There's a um, attending uh, nurse or doctor there saying, "Hey, you know, uh, you, the, this this man is uh, under um, uh, what, what do you call it? Life support. Sorry, life support." Mm-hmm. And 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 she's speaking to a relative of his, and this man says, "You know, can, can he hear us?" And she says, oh, maybe, possibly. And then we move into the inner monologue of, of this character. And he says, yes, yes, I can hear them. I can absolutely hear them. And from there, we, we move into his his inner inner monologue talking about what he can and cannot hear. And from there on, um, we, 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 his perspective is, is from his, his eyes, which are open. Uh, he blinks, and the people in the uh, hospital say, oh, he blinked, he blinked, and... The, the nurse or attending um, doctor kind of says, hey, it's probably just an involuntary spasm that kind of happens when you know people are in a coma. 
This man is uh, obviously trying to remember things about what's going on. Why is he in a coma? How he got where he is. Correct. How did I get in this hospital bed? He realizes that he was at a nightclub called Doyle's. Um, I was in Doyle's, uh, my favorite bar of all time. I'm hanging out. I'm doing whatever. I stepped outside. I looked to my left, and then, bam, nothing. Can't remember anything after that moment. Um, again, this is all the inner monologue of, of this gentleman, and he has a, another man walk in with glasses and chewing gum. He can. He kind of describes the, the, the inner monologue that this guy is describing. He can actually smell the mints coming off of his breath, and he's thinking, okay, maybe he's an ex-smoker, or maybe he's a, uh, trying to quit smoking or whatever. Uh, this gentleman kind of comes in and says, hey, you know, I, I want to speak to a doctor. And this this uh, lady says, oh, I'm me attending. You know, how can I help you? And she says, uh, well, visiting hours are over. Says, I'm a detective with homicide. And she says, I got a few questions about Mr. Collins. This is the first time we get his name. Uh, and uh, it, she says, you know, homicide. You're a homicide detective. And he says, the last time I looked, Mr. Collins wasn't exactly dead. He says, come on, it's only a matter of time. And what do you base your interest prognosis detective? Prognosis, excuse me. So I've seen enough bodies uh, scraped off the sidewalk to know when the ones that ain't going to make it. Again, the inner monologue of um, Mr. Collins is saying, you know, this, this guy is kind of a kind of a jerk, but is very thorough in, in what he does and does not do. Like what he observes and what he describes about um, our possible patient. Yeah, is, uh, I mean, the dude knows his job, even Correct. if he's a jerk. Correct. And he's like, yeah, he's on life support, so it's only a matter of time before you unplug it, and he is dead, and it is murder. Correct. So I got questions. Right. And so his questions basically are, you know, do you know anything about the attack? And, and they kind of said, you know, no, I don't know anything. And then we moved into... Again, Mr. Collins trying to figure out what's what happened to him. right, what happened to him. Um, moving, moving from there, who killed me, who, or who, why, who, why. Um, and then we move into, there's a visitor named Dan. A uh, visitor named Dan says, you know, um, uh, I, I don't know if you can hear me, but I want you to know that everything, everyone's rooting for you. Um, this visitor's name is Milton Maine, who specializes in interpersonal psychology. This this is a, a guy who uh, obviously uh, Mr. Collins knows and um, seems to be very familiar with. Um, we move on from there, and and, and this guy's kind of like, yeah, well, you know, we hope we're all we, we're all we're all pulling for you. We hope you make it out. Yeah, of plenty to say for myself. What the hell does he mean by everyone's pulling for me? Again, we move uh, from Mr. Collins' uh, perspective, and he's kind of uh, coming out of his body at this point. Yep. And he moves into our lady friend here, who I don't know if I said her name yet. Uh, oh, what did I say? Left, left. Oh, man. Yeah, that. Left, what? I think it was left. I can't remember. Oh, man. Oh, no, I got I to gotta go back. I got to go back. Otherwise, I'm going to butcher it. Yafet, you're right. Yeah, Yafet, um, who is still uh, uh, having her uh, conversation with um, other spirits of sort, and he, Mr. Collins or Dan, kind of jumps into whatever she's seeing with a suit and a tie, and that's how he uh, she sees him, and he sees her as sitting on his bedside, and they have a conversation talking about um, how many times you know do I have to tell you. 
Um, oh, no, she's talking to another spirit, sorry. She says, how many times did I tell you to get a life? And then she turns around, and his spirit is gone, and we come to the man who we saw in the beginning over the cowering man, and he is in a purple suit saying, hey, uh, you know, I need you to take care of something, and again, she, poof, disappears, she's gone. From there, we move to... Oh, go ahead. So, the, the, yeah, the dude she's having that conversation with is the guy from the beginning, and it's like he appeared to her in an astro form to basically try to get her to do something for him. Right, it's very... Like shake her down. Yeah. And then, yeah, she basically banishes him away, but yeah, we see that both her and him managed to project themselves outside their bodies, because when she's in the hospital room, she's sitting on his bed. She's on Dan's bed, yeah. And then the other dude appears to her in her own home. Correct. So, like, as far as a thing, like, both of them managed to be able to do similar things projection-wise. Um, but it seems like, at least from the, as you read the book, it seems like the guy that we saw the weird wrench thing from, it plays up the idea that it was Dan, the dude who got hit in the head. Because in the hospital bed, his head's all bandaged up, too. Correct. So it seems like that's probably who she was talking to originally. Right. Whenever it her is. mom burst in. You think so? Yeah, I do. I, I, I think so. Okay. Uh, from there, we move to a uh, shadowed man who says, well, maggot. And the man in the purple says, well, she found someone new. Dorian, Someone freshly minted. Someone worth waiting a little longer for. The shadowed man, it zooms in and he's got these bright yellow eyes. This is, you promised me a human soul, August. Now we know the man's name is August. For your sake, I do hope you're not going to disappoint me again. We zoom out, and this man's face is obviously extremely disfigured, whether it's burnt or um, some kind of other thing. But he has these yellow glowing eyes. And, right. And, uh, well, yeah, he's he he's named Dorian. Like my brain says that it's Dorian Gray, but I don't know if that's the truth. Well, that made me think of that too. So, because I mean, Dorian's a weird name in the first place, but not very many Dorians. So, if that wants to be who it is, I'm awesome. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's best I could guess from it. From there, we move back into the hospital to Dan's perspective, talking about, um, you know, how can I figure out what's going on? How can I figure out? Uh, he, he he's just very very lost. From there, a, a a very beautiful lady says, "My next visitor is a little bit more welcome. Um, her name is Jody Hurt." So when it comes in, sits down, calls him baby, gives him a kiss on the forehead. He then goes on again in his inner monologue to explain that um, him and this woman are having an affair. Uh, she's married. He's not. But she's planning on leaving her husband. Right. A whole, whole sordid affair. Correct. Uh, she she then says, all right, baby, I'm going to send you on a little trip. I have to be quick. Uh, while no one's looking, she reaches up the bed skirt, and he thinks that something very uh, handsy is going to happen, and she actually has instead a vial of what is psilocybin right? and injects him with the psilocybin. Again, the whole time Dan's under what appears to be some kind of life, or not coma, but he's obviously on life support, but his eyes are open. So he's able to observe the world and feel things coming out. Correct. Because when she first pulls the needle out, he's like, did you put me here? Correct. Are you here to kill me? He does question that maybe she is here to kill him or um, is the one who put him there. Because of the affair. Anyway, she, she, she's, uh, they obviously work together at some kind of clinic, which yeah. I haven't said. And, uh, he gives, gives her, gives him, excuse me, the psilocybin and he's terrified. He's like, okay, you're giving the psilocybin. I have to kind of let 
go and figure out what's going to happen to his body. He kind of fights it in the beginning, and then he lets go, and there's this burst of energy and this burst of color and a uh, almost awakening. Um, this reminds me of some kind of what do you, what do you call that? That crazy drug chakra. Shit? I mean, oh, it, yeah, 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 yeah. The colors. I yes, that. yeah. yeah. There's like the, the the guy in the center, and all the colors are going everywhere. And it's seems of light and orbs around. Exactly, it's yeah. very very vibrant. Uh, from there, Dan moves into a memory uh, with his uh, co-partner, uh, Roger Lim, talking about their work together. He's trying to uh, access this memory, basically, of who contacted him on the phone right before he headed to his favorite bar. Right. He <clears throat> focuses really, really hard on this and tries to say, okay, who's this person contacting me? And he gets it, finally. Okay, the truth. Here it comes, boom, this is it, and then the psilocybin kind of takes over, and it, as he says, it slips through his fingers, and he can't... Can't he remember can't, what it was. Exactly, can't remember what it was, and the next thing he remembers is a pig's snout. Uh, the, yeah. pig's, the pig's snout moves into, uh, again, Yafiet, uh, her, her talking to this woman, and this woman is saying, my mother was here in the pig pen, and... I paid you ten dollars to you know get come rid of this. Exercise her demons, right? Come ex- exercise the demons. Uh, from there, we move back to Dan, who is having this uh, out of body experience, trying to again figure out uh, what's going on. How can he, you know, uh, take care of everything that he needs to take care of? And then, bam! Um, as if there was some kind of shock of lightning, it turns out that. Uh, he has company, and there's a thousand souls leaving bodies out, out of this building. It's actually really, really well done, really well art. Um, All and he, leaving the roof of the hospital. Correct. Like, yeah, correct. He is now floating out the window, it, untethered also. Exactly. He's become untethered to his body, out-of-body experience. And then we have Yafiet talking to the woman who is trying to get rid of her. I don't think they say her name, uh, but they're trying to get. she's trying to get the whatever her mother out, the of, the mother pig out of the pig pen. Correct. Yeah. And she says, hey, listen, I got to go. There's a larger thing that I have to go deal with. She says, I paid you $10. She goes, yeah, I don't care. I got I got something else going on. I got I to gotta get out of here. And from there, we move to what appears to be an old submarine suit. A diving suit. Diving suit. Yep. Covered with, uh, what do you call those? Runes. Thank you, runes. Markers. Yeah. Runes, markers. Um, it, it, it's... It's painfully... All kinds of symbols. Correct. All kinds of symbols. We see the man with uh, yellow eyes is in there, and he's saying, um, you know, uh, I'll I'll, I'll go on ahead, and uh, I shall give him to you, Dorian. I shall serve the sucker up to you on a silver platter with an apple stuffed in his rear end. And, uh, yeah, that's that's, that's where the book is. Looks to be very much like what they're looking for is a soul to to put Dorian's body into... I assume him being inside the uh, suit is something that about trying to transport him, because he's also standing in the middle of that pentagram we saw on the ground earlier, inside the crazy uh, um, diving suit. So, yeah, as a thing... Oh, he is. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Well, the man of the seance ring there from the warehouse, best I can tell, it seems like our uh, Stooley is supposed to be finding a new host body for Dorian or a soul for him. One of those two things. Of some sort, yeah. You're right. Seems like our dude that got caught in the head seems to be the first choice, but how those two things line up, don't know quite yet. 
So my question is, is whether the psilocybin is what affected him having that out-of-body experience? Or whether he full-on died? Correct, or, or, or yeah, or whether he passed away and now he's moved on to the astral plane. Both good questions, because if it, the truth is, if the truth winds up being that Dorian inside the dying suit mm-hmm. is actually going to be put into a body, then the question becomes, well, what really loosened him from his body? Was it was it the injection? Was it the or was it the hit in the head? Like, right? How does that how does that work? And we still don't know who smacked him in the head with no. wrench. Yeah, at this point, we have like three faces that could possibly be the people that did it, but no idea. I mean, I doubt it's the girlfriend, only because... Yeah, no, she seems... If that was the case, it means... I don't know if she would have come the same way in the hospital the way she did. Right. But, yeah, as a thing, it's a good question. Uh, what do you know score-wise about the, uh, the out-of-body? I'd give it a, probably a three. I, I really enjoyed it. I like the art quite a bit. I like the story. It, it reminds me, and in, in, in not to uh, backtrack, but the it reminds me very... It, it seems to be very similar to the extraordinary or XO that I read um, last time I was on the podcast. Correct. Yeah. Was that the last episode? It was. Oh, okay. Uh, I really enjoy, I really enjoyed that book. This seems uh, very similar. Uh, and I really enjoyed the the concept for sure. Yeah. It's very smart. I give it a three and a half. Cool. Uh, 45. You go to three. Okay. Yeah. Um, I follow suit. I am with you guys. I, I think three, the art's pretty decent. The story's interesting. So, like, how those things line up, and if it turns out the truth of us designating as Dorian Gray is actually the truth, I think that's an interesting idea. I do like Dorian Gray quite a bit. Right. So, it'll be interesting to see what, what that, how that plays out, and how that fits together, but, I mean, like you said, it, there's not that many people named Dorian, and it's a kind of particular name. Yep. And would make for a very interesting concept to go on. Right. Um, let's see, well, from there, moving to Shang-Chi from Marvel Comics. Do it. So this is Shang-Chi issue number one, and this is a, a series following up a miniseries that happened. So before this one, there was a five-part miniseries that set a bunch of things in motion that this book is recovering from. Um, there is a write-up at the front of it, like most Marvel books do, that reference the pieces I think you need to understand where we're going from, as far as the story's concerned. I think it's okay if you do the previously, which, again, I, I mean, I asked you about reading... Um, when I, when I started reading, cause I was like, Hey, you know, does this have, uh, something, something prior in issue zero? And then I, you were like, Oh, well, there's a previous right there. And it made a lot of sense. So, right. I mean, it lines out part of what's going on with the story. I mean, previous storyline, we basically had Shang-Chi take over as the head of the, I guess, ninja organization that his father used to run. It says the name. It doesn't say the name. Of the oh, it does. Where is it? At? I thought it did. Um, oh yeah. The five weapons. Society. Five weapons. Right. So, because of his father's death and battling one of the other members of the Five Weapon Society, he has now become the main leader of the criminal organization. So, including all the drugs, guns, everything, now Shang-Chi is the head of the uh, family, as it were. So, when we pick up the book for starts, uh, it's in New York, of course, and he's out on a date. And uh, we did actually meet the girl he's on a date with in the previous book. As far as the thing... They're having dinner at a fancy restaurant, and uh, we get some interpersonal stuff about Shang-Chi being like, ah, I've been wanting to ask her out for so long, and like now I finally have a little bit of a break from my family, I can finally get one date. And uh, as we're talking, she's talking about how her family always wanted her to be uh, take over the family business of being a baker, 
And she said the first time I pulled the, the rolls out the oven, they tasted terrible. My grandmother gave up on that. So I became a lawyer. So the thing you have to do is fail everything your family wanted, so they'll let you do what you want. And JG kind of has an inner joke about that to himself. And then he starts getting text messages. Um, he answers the, well, he, yeah, he looks at it and answers the first one. She's like, oh, do you need to go? And he's like, no, no, it's fine. It's just my sister texting. Let me, uh, let me respond to her real quick. And we find out through the text messages that his sister is currently on a stakeout, watching a man they believe is connected to the drug ring, and they're trying to figure out where all that's happening. She's of the opinion that if Shang Chi just let her attack him, stab him, stab him, <laughs> she would get the answers they wanted a lot quicker. She, she's please, can I stab him? Please, please, oh, please. Oh gosh, please. she's so sick of waiting because he's doing nothing. Text message. The conversation is really. Funny. Oh yeah, it's hilarious. It's funny. And like it goes on. It's like so many beefs and dinner. And and the girl he's on a date was like, well, if you need to go, you can go. And he's like, no, 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 it's all fine. Don't worry. You know what? And he sends a message back that I'm going to turn off my phone if you keep messaging me. And about that time is when all the things come in about, please let me stab him. So he turns off his phone. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump the shark there. Oh, no, no, it's, it's so, good. so funny. It's hilarious. So funny. And only a couple minutes later, we see a man's face smashed onto the window right next to where they're eating. And, of course, he's dressed kind of like, a, I don't know, kind of like a gangster, I guess. Sure. And uh, Shang-Chi and her both respond with, like, I don't know, shock and fear. Uh, Shang-Chi um, goes outside, takes off his dress jacket, so he's in his, you know, kung fu outfit underneath. And we see that he is joined by Esme, which is his sister, the younger sister that he only met real recently. Raised separately, because she was raised as part of the clan, fully believes the clan is the way to be, and Shang-Chi, well, of course, came to America and became... What kind of, what, I guess he was an Avenger for a little bit, but mostly an agent of a uh, shield. So he believes very differently than his family does. And uh, even though the two of them decide to clean up the organization, she is still very much the house is the way to be. And uh, she is taken to whooping the dude. And even though she wasn't given permission to, and Changi doesn't respond too good to that, but she hasn't killed him. So, I mean, I guess it's good. He's like, can't I have a date? Like is, this whole thing's ruined my date night. She's like, there's no date night for the High Commander. Oh, no, what's she, that's not High Commander. What's she call him? Uh, Grandmaster? Grandmaster. Grandmaster? Yeah. She's like, Brother Hand, you can't be doing... You don't have time for this. Like, whenever you're ready to consummate, we'll find you a harem. Right. And he's like, uh, what? I don't want that. While that's going on, we see the dude that she just beat up pull out this piece of paper that has this crazy-looking, like, root in it. Mm. And uh, the next thing we see is his hand transform into a werewolf hand. Which is crazy. So we turn from that, and we see he is fully now transformed. His hands are completely werewolf hands, and his face is... Are they werewolf, though? I mean, they look like werewolves to me, man. They're furry with claws. Okay. And, like, his face is I guess I, I guess I didn't put that together. I'd have been more excited. Oh, now, excuse me, now I'm more excited now that it's werewolf, honestly. <laughs> Go on, I'm sorry. Well, um, of course he comes at Shang-Chi and uh, his sister, and uh, that takes the Shang-Chi... Shang Chi now whooping him, and uh, the sister, as as the fight's going on, she uh, she winds up seeing something on the bottom of his boot after Shang Chi like kicks a guy unconscious. She's like, "Oh, he's got some kind of spider toy on the bottom of his boot," and uh, Shang Chi's like, "Ah, that's not a toy. That's that's a, that's a, that's not a toy." And uh, she pulls out her dagger and uh, she's got it to his throat, and she's like, "You're gonna give us information we want, otherwise you're gonna die." And uh, about that time, we see a uh, spider web pull the knife away from her. Very Spider-Man spider web. Yes. Uh, and that next scene, we see Spider-Man jumping down, and he basically takes to stopping 
her from killing the dude that we find out he was chasing. Um, of course, she initially she's like, "Oh, it's Spider Man, our favorite friendly neighborhood Spider Guy," and like is super excited to see him, sort of. And she's like, "I watch her videos on YouTube," and then he he winds up webbing her as she gets ready to throw a knife at him. He's like, right. "Oh, you." You took mine. You got webs all over me. These things feel like snot. They feel like snot. It's so gross. He's like, that's not what they feel like. Maybe it is. So, I mean, ultimately, he winds up webbing her up to stop her from using the knives on him. Right. And uh, we find out that her name, oh, God, what do they call her? She's like Devil Blade or Death yeah, Blade? Yeah, uh, it's, it's in there. It's like se- seventh, seventh Blade or... Se- oh, man. It's important. So, so there it is. She is, she is Deadly Dagger. Right. That is her... Uh, that's her name. Her moniker. And... uh as she's talking to him, she keeps calling um, Shang-Chi, like, Master Hand and Brother Hand, and he's like, you don't do that in front of Spider-Man. You gotta keep it to yourself. You gotta quit calling me the Supreme Commander. Right, Supreme, Supreme Commander. And she, she's like, because ah. she, she's getting upset because she's like, you feel like you feel like being part of the family's bad. You're ashamed of us. I hate that you're ashamed of us. Mm-hmm. And, like, we get, we get that through the story as we go. Um, but it, there it really is some good banter in here. Oh, yeah. It really is. Well, between the two, the two of them, like him and her, it's yeah, it's awesome. And then it gets better when Spider-Man comes in. It's like, what? Yeah, you call them what? What's your name? Right? Yeah, I like that. So after he like sort of shushes, shushes her, he's like, "Ah, oh, greetings, Spider-Man." The two of them kind of bow to each other, and uh, he's like, "Oh, how you been, Ching? I haven't seen you in a long time. What are you guys out doing? And uh, who's this?" And he's like, "This is my sister, uh, Esme." She said, you can call me Deadly Dagger. That's what happens. <laughs> and he's like, uh, cool. Okay. Nice to meet you, Deadly Dagger. And he's like, what are you guys out doing? I was tracking this guy for weapons, like trying to stop a weapons organization from smuggling weapons. And they're like, ah, oh, we're hunting a dude down about a drug ring. He's like, maybe the two things correlate with each other. And then Shang-Chi's like, no. Because Shang-Chi is afraid that this is a guy that is connected to his family and doesn't right. want Spider-Man to find out. She's like, oh, yeah, I can't possibly be that. And so Spider-Man's like, well, even if he's not, how about I hang out and help you? We haven't done anything in a long time, buddy. And so, begrudgingly, Shang-Chi lets Spider-Man tag along. There's some dialogue before this, and, and we kind of we kind of glossed over it, but it is, hey, shh, don't tell Spider-Man, because he'll get really mad if he knows that <laughs> this is a part of our family can't doing. can't know. Like, exactly. can't find out. Because they're obviously cleaning up their father's um, mess. Yes. yes. His uh, legacy of Correct. corruption and... Yeah, drug, drug, gun, right. weapon, everything bad. Drug, drug gun, do. drug, gun, weapon, villainy. Exactly, bad stuff. So they 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 start working together and they track down where the guy was going. It turns to be this little like um, tea house type place. Yeah, uh, like with medicines and things like that. Right. And they get there, and Spider Man's like, "Oh, I'll go check around the perimeter." And she's like, oh, "I'm not going to come with you because he's going to try to." Make sure he doesn't see something he shouldn't see. Right. And Esme's like, well, I guess I'll come with you. He's like, no, no, you, you stay here. You, you just stay here. Don't kill anybody. Don't, don't stab anybody. Right. And so, of course, um, the two of them head off to Ripsoffs to look around to see things. And while him and Spider-Man are hanging out together, uh, they start talking a little bit. And Spider-Man reminds us that at one point, Shang-Chi was teaching him a style of karate or of kung fu that was a spider style. Um, back during the Spider Island story, Spider-Man lost his... It wasn't Spider Island. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Spider Island. Yep, he, Spider Island. He lost his spider sense power. And so in order to try to still be Spider-Man, he sought to help a Shang-Chi to teach him how to hone his skills. 
in order to try to make up for not having it anymore. I really like that. It's it, a pretty cool throwback. It, it is, yeah. I was like, that is really smart. It's really well done. It's well written. I was like, that is a cool throwback. And well, what would Spider-Man do if he lost his But Oh, well, he would just A, B, C, D, E. Oh, right. there you go. Yeah. I really like that. It's really pretty cool. And like, Shane Cheese was, well, have you been practicing? He's like, well, I got my, <laughs> I got my spider sense back and then no. And then no. I really haven't. He's like, well, if you keep doing it, you'll make your spider sense even stronger. And Spider-Man's like, I guess that makes sense. It's like practicing and stuff. Um, while all this is going on, Esme, or Deadly Dagger. Deadly Dagger. Has decided to go in and talk to the old man in the shop. And of course, she doesn't. She doesn't beat around the bush. Like she walks inside. He's like, "Hey, is there anything I can help find you?" She's like, "I know this is a place that's a that's a drug den. I just want the answers to the drug den and where we can turn it off." And he's like, well, "It said better than that." My explanation was short. Just so you don't think that's what it's really says. She blew every cover that they ever had right yeah, there. Like in no like no timing at all. Just shut them all down. And uh, so he starts explaining to her how his whole life he's liked to study things. And when he was young, working for his master, he one day encountered or came across. The body of uh, a urine, which is the, like a Chinese version of a Yeti, is what it is? Right, yeah, they, it, it's, it says, yeah, it says Yeti in there, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. It does. Um, and he's like, well, I bought the body to my master, and after studying the body, I learned that I could grow a particular root from it, and this particular root would enhance the person that put it on them, and transform them with different powers and monsters. So it's not a werewolf hand. It's, it's not. Yeti hand. Yes. You lied to me. I mean, it looks like a werewolf hand. No. It does. Got me all excited about They're all the same. No. Don't you ever compare werewolves and <laughs> yetis ever again. I mean, I guess size was a different. Yes, sir. So he, as he's explaining all this to her, he's like, and then I moved to America with the help of my master, and I turned this shop into a place that I grow and build, build this stuff to do, I mean, villainy, basically. And then, of course, he attaches a piece to himself, and his hands transform, and he also becomes very... I don't know, I guess aggro? Like his face sort of changes yeah, a little bit? Yeah, he kind of gets aggro, strong, the, the claws come out again yep. that we we saw earlier. We saw before with the other guy right. in the street. And of course he attacks Esme. Mm-hmm. Um, from there we cut back to Spider-Man and... and you mean uh, Deadly Dagger. Deadly Dagger, you're sure. right. From there we cut back to Spider-Man and Shang-Chi, and two of them have found a window, and they look inside the window, and uh, we see inside a whole bunch of dudes growing, growing tons of these little plants. And uh, in the process, Spider-Man winds up tripping a... Silent alarm, like a laser alarm. Oh yeah, he's like Spider Sense doesn't. He's like, dang, doesn't I, deal with infrared. I always have problems with infrared with Spider Sense. <laughs> it doesn't. This doesn't work. That's clever. And so it sets off the alarm, and of course that alerts the dudes inside who pull machine guns and just start hosing the building. Oh, it's over now. Yeah, trying to shoot Spider Man and Shang Chi. Yeah, it's it does it doesn't go super well that way. Anyway, so Shang Chi and Spider Man take the dudes out, and about that time. We wind getting to the front of the store where we find the old man who's now been beaten up by Esme. And Deadly he, Dagger. Deadly Dagger, yes. And uh, he's t- he's still talking, but he's like, oh, help me up. Help, help an old man up. And Spider-Man's like, okay, old man. And he goes to help him up. And about that time, he sticks one of the roots in Spider-Man's face. Does it remind you of a parasite? It kind of does, It's the yeah. first thing that reminds almost alien-like. Uh, I mean, the way alien, it behaves is definitely crazy. Yeah. I mean, kind of like a symbiote, except not, maybe not with its own personality. Perfect, yeah. Um, but that transforms Spider-Man. This root on his face. Yes. So he grows double in size, sprouts a batch of Yeti arms from his back. Hell yeah. And uh, 
of course, now he's been driven mad by it, so he takes to trying to whoop everybody. And becomes aggro, you're right. It's yeah. freaking, it's crazy. So he's he's shooting spider webs everywhere, he's trying to kill Deadly Dagger and Shang-Chi. Arms are swinging everywhere. Just everywhere, man. Yeti arms. It's, it's awesome. It is awesome. Well, as they're fighting him, they're like, oh, she's like, let me kill him. He's like, you can't kill him. She's like, no, no, just hold his mouth open. I'll reach inside and cut his throat from the inside. <laughs> and he's like, no. It's like, Spider-Man. You what? can't. Yeah. You can't. No. He's like, grab his web. She's like, those are gross. I don't want to touch them. It's not. Yeah, right. And the two of them run around his body and they web him up with his own webs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Shang-Chi removes the uh, root from his face and he transforms back down. Uh, now, bewildered, sort of beating up Spider-Man, but He's back to being normal shape. Uh-huh. Um, and his costume is fixed, which is weird. Well, kind of fixed. Yeah. Anyhow, so uh, as they observe within the warehouse still, um, we find, of course, logos that lead to his family. And then eventually he's just like, oh, you know what, man? I can't beat around the bush anymore. I just got to tell you the truth. Like, all this stuff's connected to my family. Right. Um, I'm trying to fix things and stop it, I guess. But we need to bring our ninjas and people in here to confiscate all this. And the sister's like, yeah, if any of our, if we call the cops now, any of our enemies that get this would totally use it on us to take us out. Does this remind you of, like, the, the men in black cleanup crew? Because that's it the does. first thing I thought of. Oh, yeah. It's like, just in ninja I need, costumes. I need a quarantine crew at X. Yeah. That's exactly it's, how it Yeah, goes. they're all in ninja costumes, and they're cleaning up, and uh, they're, they're getting rid of all the evidence. And so, like, as that's all going on, Spider-Man's like, what is, he's like, yeah, I'm the commander now. I'm the leader of the entire organization. And uh, we see, like, they even come with, like, a, what looks like a helicarrier, even though it's it's not, but it looks just like one. It does. And so you collect all the evidence, and Spider-Man's like, ah, oh, man, it's it's like you're, he's like, yeah, well, you're recovering it up, Spider-Man. And he's like, can I, are you ready to be helped up yet? Because uh, I'll help you up. And so he basically lifts Spider-Man up, and he's like, are, Spider-Man's like, are you still one of us, man? Are you still on the good side? And he's like, what does your Spider-Sense tell you? Away, Shang-Chi. Um, and the ship flies away, and Spider-Man's left staying there, like, no Spider-Sense happening, so he should, I guess, theoretically know that Shang-Chi is still good. But, I mean, it's a questionable thing, considering how much we've talked about Spider-Man since only working on certain things. Uh, but from there, we, cost, we cut to across Chinatown, and we see the old man from the drugstore running through the alleys, and uh, he encounters a shadowy figure that uh, basically offers him a proposition so I have an offer for you, uh, King Wildman, which I did not mention earlier, but the old man in the drugstore, his name was, was King, King Wildman. Wildman. Yeah. So I missed that piece in there. That's right. Anyway, so the shadowy figure, we don't really know who it is, but the uh, tagline at the bottom of the page tells us next issue we should expect a battle with Captain America. And they show us the cover of the next issue with the back page. Oh, I didn't see that. And it looks awesome. Like the Give two, me that. Two of them smashing out of a window. Shang-Chi jumping into Captain America, basically. It's awesome. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's a really cool picture. It's really good. I didn't see that. I'm sorry. No, it's good. You feel dumb. (laughs) Because (laughs) the last thing I saw was, uh, I have an offer for you, King Wildman. I was like, what is is that? Right. Oh, there you go. Next, Shang-Chi versus Captain America. Oh, that makes me so much more excited. Well, the tagline at the bottom page and like getting the cover for the next issue is all yeah, it shines really cool. Can I read this? Oh huh, yeah. Uh, next month, Shang Chi vs. Captain America. There is a cosmic cube for sale, and everyone from Hydra to aim uh, to the oh from Hydra to aim to the hand is ready to pay for it. But Shang Chi and his five weapon society might outbid them. 
unless a certain star-spangled Avenger has anything to say about it. Nice. That's oh, cool. That's awesome. great. This artwork's this art, uh, this artwork oh, that covers, great. Yeah, it covers great. I think it's Lin, Lin Wade did the cover, I think. It, it doesn't matter. It's a beautiful cover. But yeah, as far as uh, setup, I mean... It actually doesn't say. I, it, it probably... You know, unless his name signature is on it. I think you're right. You're right. Lin Wade. Yeah, yeah, there you is. are. Yeah, yeah. Well done. I know my artist. Well done. Yeah, Not always, do. but I, I genuinely do. No, it's great. Uh, as far as like a score, I mean, I dig Shang-Chi. I like that he's getting light shine on him because uh, being a character, he's been around for a long time. And yeah, he's just basically 70s Bruce Lee. Is that the area he showed up in? And as a thing, that's what he basically was, basically. But now we're getting a movie, so we'll see what the movie does. And like, he's had this miniseries and there was a one shot last month. So he's getting a lot more traction. This idea where it's kind of like Shadowland that happened a while back with Daredevil, where Daredevil became the leader of the Hand. So it's got a similar moniker to that, but this whole everyone being like, well, can't we trust that dude? So it's like they're pitting him against the Avengers, basically, but not in a way that's really like an actual pitting against them. Right, yeah, it seems very... in the, mo- in the Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very in the moment or, or, or subject to change. Yeah, happenstance for sure. to what's happening. Yeah, very happenstance. Um, as far as I can score, I mean, I like the art. Um, I thought the story was fun. I love the banter between him and the sister and how she's just so pissed that he cannot just accept that he's a deadly master of the, of the five deadly hands and take control and just kill dudes. It's it's so funny how mad she is about it. Because she is. Can I stab him? Can so I stab him? Can I stab? If you've ever had a sister or a sibling, you know what this is like. It's like, can I get him? Can I kill him? Can I kill him? Right. It's really, it's really clever. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, score wise, I love this cover in the first issue too, with him standing there, posed with all the people underneath him. I, I mean, score wise, I give it a three. Like it was, it was, I thought it was pretty cool. Does it? Does it, do you need to read that first paragraph? Yeah, I'm gonna say you do because it sets up. Uh, a whole handful of things. It did, yeah. I mean, for sure. As you and I were talking, I was right. like, "Where, where, what, what was there an issue zero? Right. Um, I'm going to give it a three as well. I gave the, the Lobo book, which was my favorite. Uh, I think it's my second favorite book for that because our next one's going to be my favorite. But uh, I gave Lobo the three and a five. So, excuse me, three point five. So I'd give this one probably a three. Sure. Um, Mr. Josh forty five, the punch out. You know, uh, Mr. Forty five is not feeling well, so yeah. he, he had so. to. Uh, yeah, so we put him in bed. He's got quite a cough. Yeah. He's actually had it for a while. It's funny because, yeah, of the wrong time to have it with the whole COVID world. But, yeah, it's been, like, persistent for a better part of a week and a half. Yeah. So, like, even though you, you heard it a bunch, it's not it's not the COVID. No. he, he got a, all of us would have it. Already. I think he's got a respiratory infection for sure. That's what it was, for sure. Yeah. From, yeah. For, you know when you travel yeah. and you get the crud? Hundred percent. That's exact. You you know you've been at conventions, just that, like Comic Con. Exact thing. You know I listen to a lot of video game podcasts, and E 3s coming up. Oh yeah, I'm super high five. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so I might call out six Sunday for E three. By the way, <laughs> I'm really excited. But E three, a lot of people go to E three, um, and they you, you get the convention crud they right. call it or Comic Con crud. Yeah, it, it, it just happens. Yeah, yeah, when you when you travel and stuff. So so Josh is out for the evening. Um, so CBS, 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 and I'll be taking you through. And again, thank you so much for having me. I'm having of a great time. Yeah, dude. I love to be here. So let's see. So after Shin Chi, we have one more book left, which is the Blue Flame. <gasps> this is my favorite. It's pretty good. 
Um, it's from Vault Comics. Even though I don't know anything about the Blue Flame. Well, it's because it's his first issue. He's never existed before this. This is a this is a brand new yeah, thing. brand new thing. All right. You want to tell us about Blue Flame? No. No, you won't. No, right. you're going to do such a better job than I will. <laughs> you're going to do such a better job than I will. Well, I mean, just like Mr. Brown said, the uh, this is the first issue of Blue Flame. And as far as a character, not a character prior to this. Um, so it's Vault Comics is putting it out. Uh, the, art, the writer on it is uh, Christopher Cantwell. And the artist on it is Adam Gorham. Uh, as far as the series is concerned, I, I know it's a miniseries, but I don't remember how long it's scheduled for. But uh, when we first open up our uh, issue, we start with this crazy backsplash of the universe. And we have a little picture of Blue Flame, who kind of looks like... I don't know, he kind of looks like... Uh, so from G.I. Joe, there's a character called... Oh, God, it's not Charboil. Barbecue, that's his name. Barbecue. So the character Barbecue, he looks like a barbecue with a blue head and blue costume instead of orange is basically what he looks like. He's got these big gauntlets on that have uh, cables that go back to a rocket backpack. And the write-up right next to the first, which is like a classic-looking write-up, it's got the box attached to the circle with him in the middle of it, and it explains a whole bunch of stuff about our guy and uh, what he's done and who he is. So we find out this is Sam... Uh, Bar Barswan or Bar 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 Cam? Is that how you say it? I think. And Sam invented a chemical that uh, burns with a crazy blue, and it's called cobaltium. Which cobalt blue is a color that a lot of artists use for. First thing I thought was cobalt. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Cobalt blue. Um, but cobaltium is the name of the chemical, and it burns with this crazy blue flame. And in his process of creating this, he's built himself wrist, wrist jets and a, a microton backpack. And so he's basically built all this stuff to turn himself into like a space Iron Man, which is awesome, uh, along with this chemical that is a very special chemical. Um, and then he's turned himself into the blue flame, and we're joining our story, which is the mystery of the universe. Oh, the mysteries of our universe. And so we join him out in space, flying across the cosmos. And uh, so it's like it gives us all of his backstory in those two boxes. And as he's traveling, he winds up coming to this planet that he finds a distress call from. And he's like, well, I don't know this planet, so I always rank all planets I don't know as hostile. Because you can't trust these planets. I mean, he's right. You can't. No. You can never trust another planet. Of course not. Uh, but he decides he has to investigate anyway, because he has to know where the signal is coming from, and he has to know what it's about. So he... Flies down to the planet, and uh, once he gets down there, he sees these crazy, like, obelisks, and he's like, oh, these are built really well. Like, it's clearly there's an advanced society here. Um, these things look like look really awesome, but there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of, like, city technology. And uh, as he's there, he's like, oh, here comes the welcoming committee. And we see these uh, three sort of hooded figures come walking towards him. As they get closer, we see there's a whole lot more of them, and they, they basically look like bughead guys. They're very, bu yeah, very, uh, almost like uh, the fly. Yes. Yes. And, uh, I mean, they've got cloaks on, and they, the way they're dressed is clearly for the desert. But they have these giant cannons. Look at those eyes. Did I kill it? That's uh, the fly right it's there. It's totally the fly. All right. So they point their guns in and tell them, you need to come with us. You're going to be in dirt, dentured into service, or into servitude. Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh, yeah, I don't think so. And so he punches the first one out, and uh, he starts flying around, avoiding all their gunshots, and he just starts taking the dudes out pretty, yeah. pretty handily. Mm -hmm. Um, then eventually he decides to stop. Like, one of them does have him dead to rights with the gun to his head. Correct. But, uh, he's like... We're using non-lethal force. Yeah, that's what he tells him. And he's like, alright, well, I'll come with you. And they're like, good. He's like, you didn't know I could have killed you, right? And they're like, ah, probably. And yeah, like, we're... We, you know, 
Thanks for not killing us. We're flies. We don't care. Yeah. So they lead him to this inside this giant coliseum type building, and we see these crazy arches, kind of church like, I guess. As you go through them, I mean, they're a little simple, but this reminds me of Dune. It, it, it really does in the color type. Yes. Thing, yeah. Um, once we get inside, we find a whole batch of other people. We see these giant screens with different faces of different style aliens. We have a a lady who looks like a nun, an old man with a crazy beard, a dude who kind of looks like Trapshaw from He Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, what is this? What are you? Who are you people? And we have another bug man come walking from behind him. Now, not the same looking. He doesn't look like the fly necessarily, but he's a gross looking. They, they all do look different, yeah. And he's like, ah, yeah, you're here for your trial. Um, he's like, hang on, what? Because we're putting you on trial. And again, he's responsible, like, hang on, what, what is going on here? And from there, we cut to um, earlier. And we are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we find a dude sitting in bed, uh, waking up in the morning, goes and has his coffee, stretches, goes outside, sees it snowed a whole lot, talks to the neighbor next door who's like, ah, I can't believe all this snow, it's the worst thing ever, now I gotta snow, clear all the snow off so I can go to work. And our guy's like, eh, it's not that bad, but I'm gonna go and do it too anyway. And so this is the Blue Flame. Correct. This is him in his day job life. Normal life. His normal day. And uh, he's like, well, I guess I better get to cleaning that, taking care of the snow, too. And we see him start shoveling. And we clearly see he has no problem with shoveling. Like, he is he's good at it. He's happy at it. He's moving giant chunks of snow, like, as if there's no problem strength-wise. Right. So that tells us he's also got heightened strength. And as he's doing it, he's, he's singing a song to himself because he's having a good time moving the snow. And then we see the neighbor, and he's like, Jesus. Like, what are you... Like, he can't believe what's going on and then he's almost mad about it yeah he's, he's definitely like he grumbles <laughs> how dare you and then uh the blue flame notice him sam notices him grumbling he's like oh man my back's gonna hurt horribly tomorrow as he fakes like a sore back from doing it right but you know it's fake like his face tells you it's fake uh from there we cut to sam at work and we find out sam's like or basically you're like a high maintenance repairman correct and uh, he's in there working on these two giant boilers with an older man who's like, oh, you think you can fix it? He's that is an HVAC. Actually, that was the first thing I thought it oh, was. Oh, it might be. Yeah, heating, yeah. heating, heating and cooling a maintenance man or so, of some sort, yeah. No, no, that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, these are pretty old parts, but I reckon I can probably fix it. And so we see him tool around with it a little bit, and you see him make some changes. And Not to interrupt, but my first thought was blue flame. And then I was like, oh, a boiler. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, usually it kind of has a blue flame. It does. Yeah. Well, so if you ever listen to radio dramas, there was blue coal back in the day. Mm. It was a thing you could buy to heat your house. Yeah. We're talking the 60s. So. The flame, but yeah, the flames burn the blue. The blue flame exactly. was the, yeah. So a boiler. In the, in Another the correlation of things. Yeah. Uh, so he gets done with the job for the day, and we see him go get ready to leave. And go Did I say HVAC? That's not. Yeah. <laughs> that's, not, that's not heating and cooling, is it? I think it is. No. Pretty sure. You're right. I'm sorry. You know you're pretty right. Sure I was like, H-Bank? Yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. I, I don't know enough about to know that, but I'm pretty sure that's I don't true. either. I don't either. Re- right. re- regardless. Sounds right. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> so he goes out to his car, and we see him unzip his jacket, and in the back seat of his trunk, or in the back seat, no, in, in his trunk, in the trunk, we see the blue flame uniform. Now, the helmet is not as styly as the one we saw in space. This one looks more like a motorcycle helmet with a visor strapped to it. It is definitely different. So it's not the same costume, but it's similar. Um, maybe what he wears on Earth or maybe. in in, the, in our atmosphere? 
Yeah, yeah, I don't. The difference between the two things almost looks like one's his actual spacesuit and the other one's like a cosplay suit. The spacesuit also has a, 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 a different hoses. It does. It, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of got hoses that he, obviously he's breathing through. Right. So he puts on a suit and uh, you see him driving his car and he's talking about how he's going to this uh, meet and greet for their super society, for, uh, the the local super society. And uh, as he's driving, he, some guys pull up next to him. They're like, oh, Blue Flame, right on, man. They're like, metal, and you're awesome. The Blue Flame's great. He's just like, ah, thanks, guys. And he, like, waves at him. So, like, everybody knows the Blue Flame. You're doing such a better job than I would have, by the way. This, <laughs> this is great. Uh, from there, we cut to a very different scene, which seems to be the inside of an apartment building. We have a dude, uh, I don't know, very, it, he looks very 70s terrific. I mean, he's got big hair, big mustache. You know here? Oh, I'm sorry. Which one are you talking about? The dude we just joined. Oh, go on. I'm sorry. No, no. Keep going. So it's it's a man with a kind of Burt Reynolds mustache. Correct. Sitting on a bed next to a woman with blonde hair, uh, about shoulder length. And the two of them, whatever it is they're getting ready to talk about, yeah. is bothering both of them. And yeah. Right. Well, we find out that uh, she is pregnant. And... Uh, he is responsive to that as, oh boy. Oh boy. And she's like, well, I don't know if it's a boy yet or not. He's like, no, 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 no. Um, like, oh, oh boy. Um, do we need to get married? And she's like, well, I don't really know what we need to do yet. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do about this problem. And she calls him Mateo. And the two of them hold hands. And she's like, well, I don't know what we're going to do about our boy. And, uh, from there we cut to outside of a building. And we see the Blue Flames car pull up outside. He gets out and he comes in and is, Bike jacket, helmet, costume, and uh, he opens the door in the back that says club room. And inside, we meet a whole slew of other characters. Uh, we meet a, a bruiser-looking dude. He's got, like, a half mask on top and jumpsuit gloves and, like, bodybuilding gear on. He looks like Peacemaker. Oh, he does, except not shiny. Yes, exactly. And he does look like Peacemaker. He looks like Peacemaker. Like, a lot. Uh, he's called The Feet. Uh, his real name is Bud Cullen. And then we also meet a lady who's called Swiftbird, and she's got a, uh, I don't know, white uniform, a kind of metal helmet-looking thing. Pretty enough lady. Yeah. Um, we find out that uh, this is Heather DeSoto, and then we meet another one who's dressed kind of like a ninja, uh, another woman, um, Thea. Thea, and correct. That's her superhero name. Her real name is uh, Zola Wallace. And then we meet another dude who's kind of like the Red Hood, except like maybe a weird cosplay of him. He reminds me, yeah, he reminds me of a Rorschach character uh, with a, a red ski mask with yellow eyes. Well, yeah, he's his costume. I kind of think, I kind of think this is uh, if it's not him, it'd be weird. But uh, Mateo, he he's not wearing so Mateo is wearing a weird circle necklace, and this dude's got a pair of dog tags on. I guess their color, their skin color doesn't really match either, actually. I didn't notice. Uh, it can't be. It can't be the same dude. That was actually one part of the book that I was like, where does this fit in? Yeah. Well, the Crimson uh, Vestige, or, yeah, Vestige, is who he is, but he is, his real name is unknown. Mm-hmm. So he, he's the one in the group we don't actually know who he is. Which kind of reminds me of Rorschach. I'm just, a little bit. They yeah. know. That's me. true. So uh, Blue Flame shows up, and uh, um, the, uh, the feet tosses him a beer, and he's like, Oh man, I can't believe we're getting ready to do all this uh, from the clubhouse. That's feet, F E A T, not feet as in your oh, feet. Yes, <laughs> like accomplish something awesome. Correct. Not yeah. in your what you put in your shoes. Not in your toes. <laughs> it's funny. 
He's like, oh, we're going to eat before we get this thing started. Or are we going to, or what are we, what are we doing? Anybody think about that? And uh, one of the girls said, well, I'm getting ready to order some pizza. We thought we ordered pizza for the event. And they're like, well, if you want to eat first, you want to eat afterwards. And they're like, one of the guys is like, ah, I really don't like these. Uh, I really don't like doing these appearances. I never really know what I'm going to say. I don't, I don't, I don't like doing these things. And another one's like, don't order that Hawaiian crap again. Right. So clearly not happy with her previous choices. Doesn't like the pineapple on the pizza. Right. Do you like pineapple on your pizza? I'm not a fan. Oh, I love it. See? Dang. Uh, that's fine. Like what you're going to like. That's not, not, All right. not for me. No, no. I don't want to yuck your yums by any means. I just, I love Hawaiian pizza. Go on. So, uh, as this is all going on, we wind up having a, a Swift Bird make an announcement to the group that she has an action figure. And they're all like, hang on, what? She's like, well, this guy on Instagram, he's he made me a custom action figure. It's the coolest thing ever. And so she's super excited about that. And they're all like, oh, let's see the picture about it. And uh, we sort of get some inner working between the group. And we find out the Swift Bird and uh, the Crimson Vestige have had some type of relationship. And they're like, well, do we want to talk about it out here and mention it to other people? And so they're trying to decide how to handle that they had a relationship. Right. Uh, we also find out that the Blue the blue Flame has had a relationship as well. With Zola. With Zola. Um, and she's also like, well, do you want to let the others know? Like, yeah. Was- he's like, about last night, I really like you. It sounds like, what it sounds like to me is that they hooked up. Right. And then he's like, well, we hooked up and that was great, but I do really like you. Right. And she's kind of like, I like you too. Yep. And then from there, um, she's like, well, I don't know what we need to do about that. And then from there, the feet jumps in the middle. And he's like, we need to do a three-way. Yeah, he's like, he's like let's both have a threesome. Like, uh, what? And he's like, I'm just saying, I mean, I like both you guys. No, he's really sweet about it. Yeah, he's yeah. like, no, you guys make it's, me so happy. It's very, it's very, it's very cute play. I really did smile when, when I read that. It's I was like, that's, that's very, they're kind. So uh, from there, they all, they're like, well, let's eat afterwards. Let's go ahead and get, get ready and go out and meet these people. And so what's happening is a meeting greet, which we kind of learned that in the car when he was driving there, and I kind of right. skipped over it. But they talk about it on the radio. Right. It's on the, it's on the radio. Hey, the, uh, what are they, what, what's the group the called? The Night Brigade. The Night Brigade is going to be there from 730 to 30 signing autographs, so on and so forth. So very like a Comic-Con panel, but with real-life superhero types. Correct. And so now they're all on stage, and we have the uh, marquee out in front that tells us this Night Brigade, and so everybody inside is watching them, and they got the cameras up, and they're all cheering for them, and... We see the blue flame and like a close up on him, and they're all very smiley and like enjoying that they're being announced and everything. And they start posing for pictures. And uh, the Kermit Crusader is like, I mean, I really don't know if I ever. I keep worrying I'm going to see somebody I know. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, we cut back, and all of a sudden, we see this shock look on the blue flame's face, and he sees something in the audience that the others didn't. And all of a sudden, there's gunfire that erupts. Right. Someone in the middle of this crowd has a machine gun, and they started shooting at the stage. Open fire. And everything goes black. Two full pages of black with a very little sprinkle of light at the bottom. And when we It's finally, really beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. When we finally come back to able to see things, we see the face of the crazy alien who was putting him on trial before, who informs him that he's on trial for the safety of, of for saving humanity. So this is who they're going to judge the world off of. Your planet's safety, they're judging off you. And then we see a picture of him in a hospital bed, wounded, on, on with life support on. I mean, he's got noses in, or hoses in his nose. His eyes are all red from trauma. It's not good. It's not good. And uh, we, we follow dialogue from both places. So as he's talking to the alien, he's like, yes, I understand. 
do you, do you understand your duty in this matter? And he's like, yes, I have to. And then we cut to the hospital bed. He's like, save the world. So these two things between each other, I don't exactly understand where they correlate in time, but this shooting event, it looks very possible he's the only one that lived. And now he's been put in responsibility of the entire world. Um, how that's going to play out, I still don't know. I mean, I, I, I have a couple of theories. I kind of wonder if maybe uh, the couple with the baby, that it is him that is their baby. And that that's his parents, Mateo and uh, I think they say her name, but I don't remember. Um, I don't know enough to know that for sure, because neither one of them seem to be any of the characters in the costumes. And if if that's the case, then we're like traveling through his entire life. And when we see him with the bike helmet and the bike jacket, the suit that looks more cosplay it makes me think that maybe the shooting is what led to the new costume. And I don't, but there's not enough yet to know that, that's all me guessing. So don't take that into effect of, of the sake of the book, because it's not actually in there yet. And even though it's a guess, which I think is a good guess. Um, what the book ends off on is him waking up in the hospital bed like, oh no, I have to save the world. Which is a crazy thing to wake up saying, but awesome. It's obvious that his suit... I'm sorry, I mean to yell. Oh, good. Uh, it's obvious that his suit that's in the trunk is not the same as his space suit, right. which is happening at, a, at, at, at an alternate time. Yeah, the two so things I think you're definitely right. Look about that. different enough, and even though it's the same guy, they're technology-wise, they're very different. I think you left out a, and not to criticize, but I no, think no. You, I think you left out a very important part, which was that these um, uh, the the what are they called the the night brigade the night the, the, the mm-hmm. night brigade in night hawk what was her name uh swift swiftbird swiftbird she she's talking to her counterpart and talking uh, the red. Crimson? Red Crimson? Uh, Crimson Vestige. Crimson Vestige. Mm-hmm. About how she's maxed out multiple credit cards in order oh, to yeah, yeah. fund... Uh, the Night Brigade? Uh, correct. The Night Brigade with radars and um, radios sonic radios, and correct. Tracking equipment. I, I thought that was really important. Um, not to say that... You, no, 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 yeah. I completely pass over it. No, you're good. Yeah, uh, they but do talk about that. It, it made a lot of sense and made things feel a little more grounded. Right. In, in my opinion. Well, it turns the truth for her is that she basically is funding the group existing by using credit cards Correct. from her dad. Correct. Yeah, she says, like, you know, which one are, uh, they're on stage and they're, you know, doing the signing and, and, uh, uh, Red, 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 Record, Red Vestage. Red Vestage kind of leans over to Blue Flame as like, hey, don't break Zora's heart. And he's like, don't break oh, Bird's, Swift Bird's, Swift Bird's dad's bank account. Yep. <laughs> that, I, I thought that was really clever. Oh yeah, the the stacking between the characters is really pretty cool, and like how they fit together is is neat too. But yeah, like as a thing, uh, pretty I, I I liked it a lot actually. Like book wise, um, they had three different covers, and like the cover the, of this particular issue is very uh, like Nexus like. There was another cover that was like a retro Rocketeer type, um, which is fantastic. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, I do have a copy at the store. Do you? Yeah, I do. Is it's it four dollars? It is, sir. I owe you four dollars then, because right. I want one of those. All right. This is my book of the night, by the way. It's really well done. I, I'm gonna. Sorry, I don't mean to oh, jump, jump, right jump the shark. I, I'm gonna give this a a, a four point five out of five. I really enjoyed the art. The artwork's incredible. Uh, the dialogue is it, it, it so well done. Um, and I'm a big DC fan, and I like Lobo a lot. But this this took the cake for me for sure. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I can't, I don't have enough positive things to say about it other than I'm ready for whatever's going to come next. Sure. 
Well, yeah, as far as the, as far as the series that kind of, I mean, if you haven't ever read anything from Vault, they do they have a whole handful of different books that are really awesome. That's actually one of my books to watch coming out soon is from Vault as well. But yeah, this particular series or book, it does kind of have like a Flash Gordon feel to it. But yeah, it's it's awesome. It does I think it's better than that? It's really good. I it's not like it a lot. to me. Flash Gordon's hokey because well, I'm. I mean, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this is definitely a little more. Um, God, um, Rocketeer is the only. Sure. <laughs> now yeah, that you've said no, that, yeah. it's it does have totally stuck in my mind elements of that as well. God, they should remake Rocketeer. They really should. God, fantastic. So good. Um, All right, go on. Score-wise, I mean, I'll fall suit. I'll give it a four as well. Or a four. Uh, yeah, four plus four and a half. We'll go with four. Sorry. No, you're good. But yeah, I, like as a series, I'm stoked to see what happens next. Uh, it's, it's Vault, correct? Vault Comics, vault. yes. And uh, yeah, art was really good. Story is, it, story is great. Like, it was a really fun read. And like, all the stuff happening is interesting. And like, even the different characters, like, their, their looks are, you know, they're not, they're not, Totally hokey, but they're they're interesting looks. It reminds me of a Watchman almost. It kind of does, yeah. God, I'm so glad you said kind of because it it, it, that's what it reminds me of. This real world um, dynamic to everybody, correct? Because yeah. like their stuff isn't like crazy, crazy. Yeah, it's not supernatural I mean, or Swiftbirds. Like Swiftbirds is like the most like decorative, really. But all she kind of looks like Hawk Girl. She does. Yeah, lot, she kind of looks like Hawk Girl without without the without the headdress, the crazy wings. Yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah, wings. So like as a thing, their their looks were pretty cool. Um, the his costume, either both of them were pretty cool. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. So like, and I like how oh here's his real world job, mm-hmm. and it's like all right, cool. Now yeah. interesting how the the duality of it's really cool. There's something very relatable. Yeah. To this, I'm interested to see what the rest of it does. And like who who these people that in the in the apartment building are, and how this all correlates back to him being in space. Yeah, what happens during the 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 uh, semi Comic Con or whatever? Yeah. Oh yeah, the Comic Con too. Yeah, like does somebody does somebody pull out shooting? It's crazy. Yeah. Is it an ex girlfriend? Because it does show a woman. It does. Which I, I that was the first thing I thought. I was like, there's some crazy lady out there. It's very possible. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of. So it'll be interesting to see what the rest of it does. But yeah, the first issue is great. This is yes. definitely my favorite book of the night, by the way. It's really I, good. I really enjoyed it. Liked it a lot. Um, that, I mean, that's all I really got for books as far as reading is concerned. Um, as far as other things. Mr. Brown, what'd you learn tonight? Oh, man. I learned that uh, Vault Comics it does a lot of really, really wonderful things. Um, I learned that I like Spider-Man and his fun gadgets more than I think I do. <laughs> really, as a DC fan. Sure. I really enjoyed the kind of little, oh, we can just throw a little Spider-Man tracker at the bottom of, you know, this this guy's uh, uh, this guy's little, little boot. Um I learned. Gosh, what else did I learn? <laughs> I learned that I like Lobo a lot. Sure. I mean, I I knew I knew I liked Lobo. I learned that Jason Momoa was cast poorly as Aquaman and really should, <laughs> should have, have been, been Lobo. Lobo. His whole metal look would totally fit that. He'd do it too. You 100%. know he would. He'd be like, Size I'm in. Hair wise, yeah, absolutely. Just his style and almost everything he's in. You can take a picture Man. of that guy's face and put the. The uh the marks on him exactly yeah great uh, yeah great 100%. Stuff. super good um again not uh shout out to Pride Month for DC to uh, oh, give that stuff, really yeah. like that I uh, that was super clever and 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 really really smart 
another shout out with that also in mind. They did the they did a anthology book. Um, there's a Pride Month anthology book. The middle story, which is the question story, is art's done by Skylar Petridge, who's fantastic. Uh, she's she's a friend, art friend. That uh, she is just awesome. She had a, a that story in there, and then if you what's her name. Uh, Skylar Petridge. Oh, okay. Which you can find her online. If you just Google Skylar Petridge, you can find her website and buy art prints from her. And I don't know if she's taking commissions right now, but the girl has showed up in both Marvel and DC in the last month. So, awesome. Uh, she did a storyline, one of the short stories in the Women of Marvel that came out last month. She did the She-Hulk book. Oh, uh, okay. The She-Hulk story. Um, also another anthology book. A whole slew of short stories in one big book. Um, so, same idea as the Pride Month book, just... Flavored slightly different, I guess. Super exciting. Shout out, yeah. shout out to Proud Month. They're doing some great stuff. Sure, sure. Um, what did I learn today? What did you learn today? I mean, I don't know. That's not usually how it works. Usually you tell me what I learned. Oh, I think that you learned, or do I say Taki at this point? I mean, that's not till the end. Oh, I'm We're sorry. Close, you though. say Taki. What do I say? You also say Taki. Oh, okay. But not till Shut the... We're, Shut we're up! Close. We're close. You, you're, this, is this the first episode that I'm going to answer, uh, that you're going to get your answer you want? I mean, Maybe. <laughs> That would be something I learned at the end. So we'll see. I think that you learned that. Um, I think that Shang 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 Chi can be a viable character that um, you didn't think was going to be um, as clever. Sure. Obviously, he's got a great supporting cast with Spider Man and. Um, Death Deadly Dagger. Deadly Dagger. So good. It is great. And the text messages in the pantry were so fine. perfect. So fun. So they're so good. Well, as far as uh, books to watch in the world, um, I don't know if you have anything on your plate, but there was one you mentioned last week that was uh, that now it showed up in catalogs. Um, I oh, Lucky Devil. Lucky Devil, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that. It does look really cool. I really am. Um, Book-wise, I want to say it was Dark Horse doing it. It is that. Dark Horse, correct. So, I mean, I say look for that one, guys. It's I think it's August, correct. For release, uh, yes. For, for first week of August. The uh, preview catalog has a little write-up in it for it, so it's in the newest catalog if you want to try to get a shot of it or you can Google it, I guess. A gentleman kind of stumbles upon a exorcism that goes wrong, and he kind of uh, gains the powers of this demon who uh, leaves his body. And right. And he, he gets to um, enjoy the... The fruits. The uses of the powers. Correct. Correct of that. Um, so the one I would give you tonight, because I want to have one on my plate right now, and I'm super stoked about it. So if you've been in the comic book shop in the last, I don't know, two weeks, I have probably tried to tell you about this book. <laughs> uh, so there's another book from Vault Comics comes out, I want to say, oh gosh, I want to say middle of July. I should have wrote that down. I didn't write that down. I don't know. How I, dare you? I know. It's terrible. How dare you? Um, the book is bar- called Barbaric. Uh, Barbaric. The short uh, pitch for it is that we have a barbarian um, who has been cursed by a batch of witches to only do good. Hmm? Exactly. Well, that's different. Um, in his curse, it has also affected his axe. And his axe is first thirsty for vengeance and the blood of the evil. And we'll tell him that. I was going to say, does the axe talk to him? It does. Oh, this sounds um, wonderful. It's fantastic. That sounds great. The art is great. The, uh, I got to read a preview of issue one. And like, generally, when books are set in period pieces and the dialogue doesn't line up to period pieces, it usually bugs me. 
Um, but the book has got so much cool humor. No, that sounds brilliant. That it's it's awesome. That sounds like great banter. Uh, so good. You uh, and I love good banter. By that's the true. way, it's 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 very as long as it's quick, witty, and clever, uh, we're in. Yeah, hundred yeah, uh, percent. But it's fantastic. As far as like a a series, having been able to read, well, I actually got to read two issues, but uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, I was, it's good. It's awesome. Good. I like it so much. Uh, the way they're going to be doing the series. It's kind of Hellboy style, where it does three to five issues for one story arc. The first story arc is only three issues, um, but the way they're planning to do it is that the first three come out, and then that's the first story arc, and then we'll start a new number one for the second story arc, and then move forward that way. So, uh, as far as pieces are concerned, the, the art on it's great. If you use Google Berserk um, number one, the art on the number one cover... Is that what it's called, Berserk? Berserk, yes. You haven't said that yet. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, that's the name, Berserk. Berserk, okay. So, Berserk, um, if you Google number one, the cover A is the artist, which I want to say is good, good one, good in. I can't remember his name. That's terrible, too. He showed me notes. I think oh, you're fine. But, uh, if you just shout out to good in. Google it, we got you. you will see the, uh, the artist of the A covers, the artist of the interiors. And yeah, they are, they're great. Like, it's a fun book. I wouldn't necessarily say for kids, I mean, the language is. Not hardcore, but it's it's a little visual more there, and of course it is about a barbarian um, killing the evil with an axe that loves to drink their blood. So I mean, it is a little brutal. Hey, speaking of kids, my kid is really excited for the next Stranger Things. Is there something coming out for the next season? Show wise, yes. Oh, I know show wise, but com- com- we haven't seen anything. We had summer camp. We did have summer camp, and we have D and D. Yes, she got. She's got all those. So there hasn't been another one since that. But I thought there would be for the new season. I, I think there probably will be. Like the new season, they finally announced the date for it. Yeah, which I, I think don't remember what the date October? is. I would make sense. Oh, it's later this year. I I, I don't recall. Not um, to make it about me, but my kid no, no. Yeah. loves loves those books. Oh no, they've been great. They've really been good. I've read them. <laughs> she reads them, and then she's like, "Okay, I'm done." And then I read them. <laughs> this is really good. That's awesome. They really are neat. Like the D and D one, we had Jody Howard. That was really good. Um, and uh, Jim Zub both writing. Mm-hmm. Jim Zub writes a lot of the D and D books. He actually has a few other books getting ready to come out. Um, oh gosh, from it's not Image. Oh dang, I just read it today, and I was like, "Oh, cool, more Jim Zub." And now I don't remember. We, and we've reviewed a few of his other books on this show too. Actually, he's one of the first persons that ever responded back to us on pronunciation of the name. To be honest. Well, thank uh, you I very much. Don't remember the artist's name now because I don't remember. Oh, but I'm like I'm not what? sure how to pronounce it. And we got an email like the day of the email. No way. Song. Yeah, dude. David dropping where it had the phonetic. You need to write down a note right now. Turn that napkin over. <laughs> write down a note. That says Figure out what name was. There you go. We did mail an email him back, and said thank you very much. Very like, kind. It had a breakdown of how to say it. Actually, it was a crazy phonetically. Name. Yes, good. Uh, but yeah, fantastic dude. Um, great art. Awesome. Great. Oh, well, writer? Why he's a writer? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Great art. Good. Good writing. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, the book did have great art. Art actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as uh, writing, like the dudes, he's really fun. Like he did another series called Skull Kickers, which has like a D and D flavor to it, but it's very comical. And uh, it's another one that if you all haven't got a chance to read, you really should check it out. It's uh, if if you read Rat Queens, it's got a similar feel to Rat Queens, but um, different flavoring to it. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. Like somewhere towards the middle, I can't remember when it happens. I know I've talked about it on the show, so if you're a long time listener, I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before. There's a point in one of the issues where Jim's up. Jim's up. Did you say that already? Huh? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. He's uh. 
he's got two characters in the Skull Kicker books, a pirate dude and then a dwarf. The dwarf ones are getting shot with an arrow, and he, as he, pull, he pulls out the arrow and leaves a wound, to stop the bleeding in the wound, he grabs a squirrel, stuffs the squirrel in the bloody wound, and then realizes he can talk to squirrels. <laughs> it's hilarious. So funny. That's brilliant. It's great. Um, Skull Kickers. Yeah, it's an older book now, but um, also one you should still check out because it's great. Hey, not to make things about video games, but oh. you know I'm a big video game guy. Yes, sir. Do you have anything Halo comic book coming out? No. Anything new? We have older books. I know, I know that. New. Well, uh, New Halo is supposed to come out in hopefully December ish, somewhere in there. I'd imagine we see something showing up in the catalogs maybe in the next two months. All right, well, you need to let me know about that. I will. I'll watch for it. Okay. This um, is my buddy Joe, who lives down in, in uh, Phoenix. He's a huge Halo fan and a huge Halo book fan, including uh, novels and, and comic books. So he, he would nice. be really yeah. excited to see that. So. Well, we just had a couple of series finish. Um, we just finished God of War. Right. Uh, so that opens a slot in the ah, normal catalog. Such a great story. So God of War just wrapped up with its last most recent series. We just had Apex Legends start. I didn't know they had its own series. Yeah, it's got a brand new... Brand, well, it's not the first one they've done, but it's got a brand new series that just started maybe a week ago. Do you know that's in the Titanfall universe? Oh, I didn't know that. It is. That's yeah. what's so crazy about Interesting. Apex. It's in Titanfall with the big mechs. That's crazy. It's really cool, actually. Oh, damn, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really cool. Go on, I'm sorry. So, like, as far as video game books, I mean, we have both of those happening. Far Cry just started a series two. Far Cry, um, Far Cry six comes out this this yeah. uh, this this uh, fall. So it's supposed to be a four part as well. So far, only issue one is out of it. So I would assume that once we have, since we just had um, God of War finish, and there were one issue in on the other two books, probably by the time we get closer to winter, we would probably see something new for Halo if they're going to do it. Okay. Uh. Uh. Better call no, not better call. Uh, 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 Breaking Bad, uh, Chicken Brothers, but Los Hermanos Poyos. I did not watch a lot of Breaking Bad. You don't watch Breaking Bad? No, uh, I watched some of it, but not much. Sean Carlo Esposito, that's his name. Okay, uh, he's in the next Far Cry. Oh, really? And I'm really interested to see who shows up in the comic book. Actually, ah, uh, yeah. Okay. You've seen him, but you'll, you'll know when you see him. Right, he's, right. Yeah. Face-wise, I recognize him for yeah, sure. Yeah, great. Great actor. Yeah. Wonderful actor. And he, he's in the next Far Cry, so I'm interested in seeing he shows up in, oh, that's cool. in the comics. I mean, they do a good job with their casting for things, and they, their voices have always been good. So. Oh, yeah. Incredible. As far as a thing, I think that's awesome. Um, I think that's all I had for new books and uh, stuff. Anything else over there, Mr. Brown? No? It's key? The key. Ah, yeah. <laughs> There's a first time for everything. <laughs> Good night, brother.